You're listening to the Airline Pilot Guy Show. The view from our side of the cockpit door. WAPG. It's the Airline Pilot Guy. Airline Pilot Guy, episode 485. Yeah, he's up in the sky. It's the Airline Pilot Guy. Hello, you're listening to the Airline Pilot Guy Show. The view from our side of the cockpit door. With your host, Captain Jeff, broadcasting live from Studio 1A at APG Headquarters in Lake Burton, Georgia. Today's show is recorded on the 19th of August, 2021. In today's episode, The Michigan Air National Guard lands planes on a highway, deliberately. American Airlines flight attendants say they're forced to sleep in airports. More news, your feedback, and today's plane tale, the young Tiger Tanker Boys. So get all settled in. Tray tables and seat backs in the upright and locked positions. Electronic devices powered on. I'm Radio Roger, and Flight 485 is ready to push Thank you, Radio Roger Stern. He is an award-winning TV and radio reporter, currently at the number one all-news station in the nation. 10-10 wins in New York City! Welcome to the Airline Pilot Guy Show. It's an aviation podcast covering the latest in aviation news and answering your great feedback. I'm Captain Jeff, a pilot of a major legacy airline based in Atlanta, Georgia. And joining me today from across the pond, from his studio... In Hartford, Hereford, and Hampshire. He's a professional photographer, former RAF, RAAF fighter pilot, retired Airbus A330, A340 captain for Virgin Atlantic Airways. It's Captain Nick. Hey, Jeff, great to be back on the show. You're looking um, very rosy today. I am. Yeah, I'll explain why as soon as we get to that point of the show. But in the meantime, let's start off with some news. Stand by for news. All right. The first item is this from Michigan. The Michigan Air National Guard lands a jet on a highway as part of a training exercise, something that's never been done anywhere in this world until just (laughs) recently. Uh, From Alpena, Michigan. uh, Let's see. Drivers near Alpena. I think that's the way you pronounce that. uh, Were asked to avoid M32. See, I was thinking that must be in in the UK somewhere. I mean, I've never heard of anybody calling it. We've got... Because that's like a motorway over here. Yeah, that's what I thought, too. Uh, but it must be Michigan State Route 32, I'm guessing, or Highway 32. Ah, okay. Uh, Thursday morning for an unusual air exercise. And uh, let's see. So I uh, they uploaded a video to Facebook, and I am going to play that for everyone right now, as soon as I can find it, which will be very, very shortly. <laughs> How long can I vamp? I don't know. But we're going to find out longer than I thought I could. Here we go. Michigan A-10. Here we go. Ooh, 
There is an A-10. Thunderbolt 2. And somebody very excited. Look at that Warthog go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Look at him go at 300 knots. Uh, yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe, Maybe if he's on a, on a good wind with a, a good day with a tailwind, 300 yes. knots. The uh, 127th wing didn't miss the opportunity to show off the maneuver posting the video that we just watched. And then here's a, I love this uh, quote here. We did it. We made history, read the caption. We successfully landed and generated an A-10 Thunderbolt 2 from a U.S. <laughs> highway today. So I don't know what a, a Thunderbolt, thund I, I thought it was a Thunderbolt oh. 2, but apparently it's a Thunderbolt oh, yeah. On How a do US. you generate an aircraft from a highway? I mean, do you? I don't know. That's I'm I'm not really sure how that happened, but it's magic. Is apparently. is the new Thunderbolt two made of tarmac or uh, could be? What, what do you what do you call it over there? Uh, tarmac or concrete okay. or asphalt or no, whose fault? All of those asphalt. things. Yeah, I guess I don't know. You Maybe can't. It's... No, you can't feel mine. I'm sorry. Um, Dave Abbey has a comment hmm. here. Dave Abbey says, hey, Dave, glad you could make it. That's the one Laura Davis said wasn't too far from her mother's house. Planned event, I think. Okay. Yeah, I think in the video I, I, I saw Laura just waving. I think she had like an APG flag she was waving. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. She goes, yeah, this is fine. You know, we're landing an A-10 Thunderbolt 2 on, uh, on the highway. <laughs> but where is Captain Jeff and the APG? That's what I want to know. And yeah, then they, quite right, too. They yeah. threw her away. We but. have questions. <laughs> we do have questions. Anyway, um, so uh, I believe you talked about this last Friday on the PTUK, Captain Nick, and I think you were pretty impressed with this. Yeah, I did talk about it, and uh, <laughs> I did make the comment, probably very unfairly, that we were, like, doing this in the 1970s. So that's, like, 50 years ago. Uh, we, uh, the Jaguar for example, um, was uh, filmed landing on one of our motorways mm -hmm. and taking off again. Uh, the Harrier, of course, was, uh, this was, you know, using the uh, the big um, motorways uh, in Germany, the Autobahns. Uh, mm -hmm. Those were ideally uh, made really for landing Harriers on. They made uh, great forward operating bases. Um, the Swedes, as I mentioned yeah. uh, Earlier, they, the they Draken and the Viken. Yeah. <laughs> and they and yeah. they have like little they just like run right off the road onto like a little side Abs thing and absolutely. then they disappear they, into they the mountains. The bat cave. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the bat cave. Right. They've got like camouflage hides which and then yeah. they just taxi off the road and there and a hangar opens up in the middle of a mountain and oh. you know and this is a public road that they're landing on. So yeah, yeah it's kind of been done, but you know, we, we don't expect you guys to and understand that this is, you know... All hey, you know what? Better late than never, I say. <laughs> Better late than never. Yeah, I'm so pleased that they did it successfully and that they made history, apparently. Yeah. Well done. Well done, National <laughs> and, Guard. And it's good, good to job. see the, the new uh, version of the A-10, the Thunderbolt. Yes, so. exactly right. Made The tarmac version, yes, yeah. absolutely. Like a transformer. All right, uh, second item in our news is uh, this from CNBC.com. You know, I probably should have said what the other one was from. It was from the local Fox 2 affiliate in uh, Detroit. But here we go. Uh, item two, American Airlines flight attendants, 
and pilots complain about what flight attendants and pilots complaining? Uh, that can't be right. This must be fake news. Particularly uh, American ones. I mean, the airline, not not the nationality. Yeah. That's news in and of this itself. Time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, they complain about lack of hotel rooms and transportation. Again, from CNBC.com. And let's see, labor unions representing 40,000 American Airlines pilots and flight attendants say the carrier has failed to provide crews with, a, with enough transportation and adequate hotels during layovers, a trend that is depriving them of rest in some cases. In grievances filed with the carrier on Tuesday, the Association of Flight Attendants and Allied Pilots Association said crews are facing hotel booking and transportation delays while on the road. We have flight attendants sleeping in airports and outside a baggage claim due to the company not providing hotel accommodations in a timely manner. APFA National President Julie Hedrick said in a statement, Crew rest is being impacted and clean, comfortable, and quiet rooms are not being provided for required rest. American said in a statement that it's looking into the union's concerns. Quote, Taking care of our crew members while they're away from home is a priority for American. Not a top priority, but it is a priority. He didn't say that. I added that. Uh, On July 17th, several American Airlines flight attendants stayed overnight on cots at Glacier Park International Airport in Montana after flight delays led crews to reach their legal limits on work for that day, according to the union and the airline. There weren't enough available hotel rooms in the popular tourist destination, a union official said. The crew was originally supposed to return to their New York base on the same day. The incident was unusual, but flight attendants have often arrived at destinations without lodging. They face long waits for rooms and extensive hold times for crew lodging support, the union official said. The airline searched for hotel options as far as three hours away, but there was no availability that night, which coincided with a large music festival, according to American Airlines. A spokeswoman said that the incident was an anomaly and that the company is working to prevent it from happening again. Earlier this week, American told flight crews they could use an app to try to rebook themselves because of long waits to book hotels because of irregular operations in the network, according to a memo which was reviewed by CNBC. As travel restrictions continue to weigh on demand for trips abroad, American and other carriers have ramped up service to smaller airports that are gateways to outdoor destinations, which have been extremely popular in the pandemic. Car rentals and hotel room supply has been hard to find or expensive in those areas this summer. Uh, anyway, so in this case, you know, I, I, it's a little hard to fault American in this one particular case where, you know, the Glacier National Park thing where they couldn't find any hotels. It was a, I think that was a divert into this location. I don't think they had any previously um, coordinated uh, hotel rooms for the crews. And because of the music festival in the area, all the hotel rooms in the area were booked up. So, I mean, you know, I'm sure that this happens, you know, in in more places at more times. But I think that this particular example that they're using in this article was a, probably one of those one-offs or whatever. You know, it doesn't happen too often. I wouldn't, I wouldn't hope anyway. Yeah, I, I remember in my airline career we had times when there was absolutely no accommodation. It was a diversion or something. You run out mm-hmm. of duty time, no accommodation, um, but. The crew sometimes just slept on the aircraft. Mm-hmm. And, of course, when you've got a nice big aeroplane with uh, flatbeds and proper crew rest facilities, uh, you can do that. But yeah. uh, not really on domestic flights. No. So it's, it isn't going to work. And maybe that plane isn't staying so, there overnight. Yeah. Um, Liz is saying that maybe that plane 
um, isn't staying there overnight. And in this case, I would imagine that the the only air crew that could possibly fly the airplane were the ones that brought it in because of the divert situation. Yeah. So, uh, and again, um, it, it's not like American just goes, oh yeah, hey Joe, did you uh, coordinate some hotel rooms for the crew that was scheduled to be there overnight? Oh no, I thought you did that. You know, it's I think that this was not this was something unplanned. It was an irregular operation. Uh, they they're probably doing the best they can, um, and you know it's not a normal thing. I mean, several of the people in if the Colonel audience Jeff are saying was there, he wouldn't be complaining that uh, you know I want you know my crew to have a you know good rest and all that kind of stuff. And and they they do plan for that kind of thing. It's just that this is one of those unusual circumstances. I'm guessing. Well, that's right. And of course, the crew is protected by uh, law because mm-hmm. if they get insufficient rest uh, and it's of the right not of the right quality, uh, they're quite within their rights. In fact, they're probably obliged uh, not to fly until they have had uh, good yep. quality rest for long enough because uh, that's part of the the deal. I mean, you do not pitch up to work. You do not attempt to work again until you've had uh, the right quality and the right quantity of rest. Um, but uh, Dave's uh, making the point there that it's uh, quite right, I mean, uh, for air crews to have to sleep at the airport every now and again because the passengers do it all the time. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. So... I think Dave's been known to sleep at the airport. Dave has been known to sleep at the airport, Liz says. At, in Milwaukee when in he Milwaukee, was going to Oshkosh. When he was going to Oshkosh. But uh, in this case, um, it was a U.S. Postal Service worker, not an airline crew. So <laughs> yes. I think it's okay. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. And but Dave's hey, been known to sleep in all sorts of strange places. Well, that's true. And if anybody is on uh, Dave's route in uh, the New York area and you didn't get your scheduled or what you were expecting in the mail it's probably yep. because he didn't get a sufficient rest he's sleeping in a local hotel park in milwaukee he sleeps in a local park liz <laughs> says <laughs> well we don't want to talk about his personal life liz come on leave okay. him alone he's a good guy anyway so oh and what are, we, are they having discussions about uh, the the lower third kind of thing that we have called a chiron um yes okay. yeah i was trying to work out what is the chiron Chiron is when you see the things like this, the, our little news uh, banner thing. Well, let me see it. Okay. Well, is that, that a Chiron? Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, you, Ted, Ted Byrne is super cool for knowing that word. So he must have yeah, something absolutely. to do with broadcasting, I'm guessing. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And why I know what the heck that is, I don't know, you know, really. Um, anyway, I'm kind of a weird person um and you don't <laughs> yeah. need to say anything with liz a red nose. don't say anything with a red nose and by the way i've changed my name to rudolph because of my red nose <laughs> rudy. um or rudy thank you I, i'd rather go by yeah rudy my well, name goes for rudolph and being rude so. okay um well speaking of being rude liz uh, let's move on to the next item um accident congo dh8d at lumbumbashi oh lumbumbashi Lubumbashi. You had to find one that I would have trouble. Lubumbashi. Lubumbashi. Lubumbashi, Lubumbashi. Virgin one, two, three. Lubumbashi. Calling on four, six, seven, five. (laughs) Well, anyway, this is not funny. I mean, my pronunciation of the word is, but the article that we're about to read is not. A Congo Airways de Havilland-8400 registration, 9 Sierra Alpha Alpha November 
performing a flight on, oh, from, go ahead, Nick, help me out here. What's the name of that place in? Um, what, Lubumbashi or uh, no, no. Mabuji Maya? That's May it. I. Well, that sounds pretty close. Nailed Ma- it. Majui, nailed it. Majui Mayai <laughs> to Lubumbashi, um, yeah. DR Democratic Republic of Congo, Very with 18 good. passengers and five crew, landed on Lubumbashi's uh, runway. Lubumbashi. Ah, Lubumbashi runway at 1915 local time, but struck a motorcyclist who was crossing the runway. <laughs> Are you sure they landed on the runway and not on a road? I don't know. Maybe like the A10. Well, it could be the same thing, the runway and the road. <laughs> like with just the, the first news article, right? Exactly, yeah. Okay. Um, the aircraft received damage to its tires, the motorcycle was totaled, and the motorcyclist received serious injuries and was taken Ooh, to a ouch. hospital. I should probably share this so everybody can see these nice little pictures of the uh, mangled motorcycle uh, and the tire of the aircraft. Here we go. Um, let's see, DR Congo's transport ministry reported the aircraft, Dash 8, arriving from that place, hit a motorcycle in its landing phase to Lubumbashi, causing substantial damage to the aircraft. The motorcyclist was crossing the runway. Not really sure why the motorcycle was on the runway, but here we go. There is the... To get to uh, the other side. Ah, good point. Good one. Rimshot. (laughs) Um, here's the motorcycle. Yeah, a little worse for wear. Um, a, a TVS. I'm not familiar uh, with that yeah, kind the of old, motorcycle. The old TVS. Uh, I used to yeah. have one of those when I was a kid. <laughs> and uh, just kidding. And then here's the tire. Ooh, it's a pretty big gash in that tire there. You're pretty bald too. Yeah. Mm. Well, they have a groove running around all the all the way around, Liz. It's not too bad. I've seen worse. Anyway, there you go. There's the. Um, Incident regarding the so hopefully the motorcyclist is uh, doing okay. Uh, whether there well, was he's seriously injured, but at least yeah. he's in hospital and still alive. Yeah, Richard True. thinks uh, it'll buff out. Oh yeah, it might. It yeah. might. Okay. And uh, we didn't find out why he was on the runway, did we? Uh, other no. than that, he was just making an illegal crossing of an active runway with an airplane on finals. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. Maybe maybe the airport doesn't get a lot of traffic, and he was surprised by the fact that an airplane was. It must be a really. He was perhaps he had watched Tom Cruise in uh, Top Gun, <gasps> and he was just doing his uh, thing down the runway. Yeah, I'll be like yeah, Tom Cruise. Tom, I'll Tom chase this airplane down the runway. The runway that's it? that's true. And Liz was making the point that Tom Cruise was going parallel to the runway, wasn't he? Um. You know, I should probably yeah. say right now, point out at this point in our show, because it's been a while since I've had uh, Liz, our producer director in the control room, talking to me. Liz, uh, Nick cannot hear what Liz is saying. And th- thank goodness for that, because she's being very yeah, rude. Say, <laughs> thank the Lord for small mercy. <laughs> but I am. And uh, if you're listening to the audio only podcast, you'll likely hear some of the comments that Liz is making, the ones that I can actually release on a, uh, a G rated family show. Uh, version of our podcast. And uh, so that's why I'm sometimes repeating what she is saying so that you, Nick, and the live audience can 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 hear the little pieces of wisdom 
that Neil she's... Says the guy, Neil says the guy was engaging That's in extreme That's very good. Neil mentions spotting. extreme plane spotting. But <laughs> yes, th there's also a sport of extreme ironing where you take an ironing board and an iron and a shirt up a mountain or wherever. But I've never seen the extreme ironing being done on a runway yet. Perhaps that's their next trick. You know, I'm thinking about what you just said regarding the uh, extreme ironing, and I'm wondering, is that what, uh, what yeah, Nick, uh, Rick was uh, practicing there and getting ready to... Well, I think that's him practicing the ironing bit. I, he needs to be a bit more extreme, but like doing it in a shark tank or... Oh, okay. You know, uh, uh, up the on the Himalayas or in the middle of a dual carriageway. Well, he's just or, getting warmed up, Nick. You leave him alone. Yeah, you know, uh, you yeah, got to start okay. somewhere. I mean, yeah, yeah. You're right, though. It's not that extreme. Talking of starting somewhere, yeah, we need to get Rick to start on the show. That'd be nice. Yeah, that would be nice. Where, where is you, he? Where oh. are you, Rick? Come on, <laughs> yeah. man. What? Where, yeah. What are you going to say, Liz? I just sent you a picture of an extreme ironer on oh, top you did? of a mountain. Oh, okay. Liz sent me a picture of an extreme ironer. Iron ironer. That's hard for me to say for some reason. On a mountain. Oh, wow. Okay. Let's see if I can um, share that with all of you. Open with preview, and then I'm going to do this uh, here. Share and share screen and window. Boom. Share. There we go. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. This nice guy, bit of extreme ironing. You'd have to have a long extension cord, though, right? Yes. I, I, he does. A actually. solar panel. Is that <laughs> is that what is here in the uh, a solar panel? Yeah. Well, I'm trying to make this. Uh, <laughs> never mind. Battery battery powered iron. That's what that'll be. Oh, that's the the rope, I guess, that he used to climb up there. That I'm. Oops. Could be. I didn't want yeah. to do that. Oh no. What am I doing? What's happened? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Nobody knows. Anyway. I'll yeah, that's better. his rope, I think. Okay. That's his climbing rope. Something tells me that that is not a hot iron, I'm guessing. Yeah, I don't I know. Think so, too. Maybe that's a, like a battery pack or something like that he's got at the base of the, of the ironing board. I don't know. How in the world did we get on to this discussion? Well, it's your fault. Is it, well, of course fault. it's my shirt fault. Uh, here we go. Gerald... Um, asks if uh, ironing in the buff counts extreme only if you get your appendage in the way that could that, that could be very risky <laughs> could be me, very i'm extreme. not saying that i know that from experience but you should just be careful yeah be careful. exactly yes okay all right moving on um to our second to last item um oh this is kind of cool and again i think the ptuk Boys and girls talked about this uh, a while back, a couple of shows ago. Um, uh, this is from BBC.com. Pilot praises RAF Lake and Heath plane spotter for saving his life. Uh, this is from uh, Rob Legal. He says, not sure what the issue was or that we'll ever hear, but I'm shocked, uh, a bit shocked. The article hints that the crew did not know. Nick, are there any engine-related systems you can think of that would throw a caution on failing or faulting in a fighter? I'm sure the crew was realizing something was out of whack. Either way, great effort and grand gesture. So, uh, again, uh, this is from BBC.com, and uh, the title is Pilot Praises RAF Lake and Heath Plane Spotter for Saving His Life. And... Uh, a plane spotter who alerted an airbase to a jet malfunction averted a potential disaster, its pilot said. Ian Simpson 
called the Plane Spotter. RAF Lake and Heath after seeing flames and sparks come out of Major Grant Thompson's F-15E Strike Eagle on takeoff. Photographer Mr. Simpson regularly watches jets take off from the United States Air Force Base in Suffolk as he's a spy for a foreign country. <laughs> the pilot said in... Oh, wait. I, I guess I wasn't supposed to read that part. The pilot said Mr. Simpson's quick actions had 100% saved his life, adding his initiative was awesome. Now, there's some photos here that um, I should probably share so you can see the what he was looking at and the pictures that he took of this. Uh, here we go. I, for, I didn't realize I was gonna, there were going to be so many things I was going to have to share today. Uh, here we go. Share, 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 share. Okay. And then bring it up. And there's, there's that uh, major uh, that was piloting the uh, F-15 e- Strike Eagle. So there, that's kind of like a, not a typical look when you have uh, reheat or afterburners going on. Uh, it's kind of no, like a sparkler. It's actually coming out from a, almost above the jet nozzle. So the reheat nozzle. Yeah. It doesn't look in line with the engine. So I'm going, ooh, what the hell is that? Yeah, so he said, and that's what he was thinking too. Yeah, so he alerted the U.S. base after he saw sparks and flames coming from the rear of the F-15 Strike Eagle jet. Mr. Simpson said he called the base's switchboard and was put through to flight control, who alerted the pilot. It was quite shocking, really. You do see flames called an afterburner, which they use to take off, but that is normally turned off as soon as they leave the runway. Major Grant Thompson said he had no idea there was an issue with the jet. Here's another angle of... Uh, yeah, there's like sparks spraying almost like out. fireworks or something. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, like that night show at Oshkosh. That's, it looks like weird. the night show at uh, Oshkosh. You're right, Liz. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. He photographed the jet after it took off. Uh, from our perspective, it was a normal takeoff, the uh, pilot said. It was only when he was told to contact the base that he was informed. A member of the local population had noticed something abnormal on our takeoff, which was potentially a nozzle malfunction, as you said, uh, Nick. One of our wingmen looked us over, and they noticed there was something wrong with our right engine. A nozzle didn't look quite right, at which point we brought the aircraft back safely, said Major Thompson. The pair met on Wednesday, where the pilot was able to thank him in person for averting a potential disaster and 100% saving his life. In another article, we have uh, the U.S. pilot thanks a British man who guaranteed a safe landing, uh, abcnews.com. And it uh, looks like in this picture here, uh, Major Thompson is taking off a Velcroed uh, patch from his left uh, upper arm uh, to present to Ian Simpson. Is that his name? I think so. Um, for uh, Thanks for uh, kind of calling yes, that in. I'm right. actually quite surprised that the base switchboard actually put him through because I would imagine they probably get a lot of crank calls from people. Um, well, but, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm likewise, but, uh, you know, uh, I'm surprised he even knew the number of the base. So, uh, yeah, yeah. So particularly to get in touch in time to make a difference because, uh, yeah. So get on them. So, so what is it? I, I, I'm, I'm at a bit of a loss um, mm-hmm. to create that amount of uh, light and sparks. Um, you know, you'd think uh, perhaps a, a turbine rubbing mm. against the side of the uh, engine compartment might do that, um, a potential engine failure. But mm-hmm. um, it's definitely not coming from straight down the nozzle. So I really don't know what that would be. And I don't know mm-hmm. the you know the, the F-15 and its systems well enough no. to be able to comment on it. 
wondering if uh, they have chaff and flares up there and perhaps the mm. uh, you know the, the container has malfunctioned and that is a whole bunch of potential fireworks from, ah. from the chaff and flares going off. Don't know. It'd be unusual to be up there. I thought it would have been elsewhere. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm ge- guessing really. Um, he, he said a nozzle failure. Or I can't imagine a nozzle like if like if a nozzle was like sticking out a little bit more than it should into the jet stream would cause that kind of an effect. No, I, I can't see that. And a, yeah. a nozzle malfunction. Is, I mean, a nozzle is really just uh, like. Uh, the petals uh, mm-hmm. of a flower that uh, spread open or close up, depending on the pressure you want to maintain inside the rear of the engine uh, when the reheat uh, is being lit, and depending on the amount of reheat you want. Um, mm. So uh, there, there aren't that many moving parts to it. It's a bit like the reverser doors on a uh, an airliner. I mean, they, they swing open, they close. Um, why that amount of... Uh, Bright sparks and flame should be emerging from a nozzle. Don't know. Just seems a bit weird. But I don't, as they say, I don't think we'll ever find out. No, because it's top secret. And by the yeah, way... Sorry, I can't help you, uh, Robert. Yeah, and after the whole presentation of the patch and all that, you know, the public thank you, uh, nobody has seen um, Ian Simpson again. I think that uh, his, uh, his cover <laughs> yes. was blown by this whole thing. <laughs> Ben also stuck igniters. No, the igniters are way up in the flame uh, chamber of the engine. Uh, so, uh, and it could be re- reheat igniters. No, they're usually in the the core of the engine. Um, superheated burning hydraulic fuel, not creating that kind of sparks. We're we're looking grinding metal. It's it's like you know. Uh, being at your workbench and grinding steel, you get sprays right. of sparks. That's what that looks like. So, um, don't know. I agree. We can all guess, but don't know. But it's fun to speculate, isn't it? Oh, we we enjoy that. Yeah. We do. All right. Uh, let's see. And finally, we have this from CBC News. And the RCMP, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, have charged a 34-year-old pilot with dangerous operation of an aircraft. And uh, in this case, oh, wait a minute, they said an aircraft, but it's a helicopter. I guess that's an aircraft. Um, (laughs) I guess. Yes. Uh, It's a day Al Jellico will never forget. He is the mayor of Tisdale, Saskatoon. He was driving through town. Saskatchewan. Oh, Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan. Oops. Thank you. Well, I guess Liz is a Canadian and she knows. So, okay. Tisdale, Saskatchewan, was driving through town the afternoon of July 31st when he noticed something a little odd. A red helicopter had just landed in the parking lot of the town's middle and secondary school. A woman get, got out of the chopper, crossed the street in front of Jellico, and entered the local Dairy Queen. Well, I thought somebody must be hungry, said Jellico. Initially, I thought that's probably not the right thing to do. The RCMP agree with the mayor's assessment. On Wednesday, police announced that the 34-year-old pilot had been charged with one case of dangerous operation of an aircraft. Police said a passenger walked into the restaurant and bought an ice cream cake. Ah, that's a legitimate use of a helicopter, I'd say. Uh, The police release noted the helicopter blew up dust and dirt as it landed in the area, which is also near the town's recreation complex. At first... Jellico thought the helicopter was a Stars Air Ambulance, 
but said it quickly became apparent that this was not the case. The mayor noted that no one was hurt. Actually, the parking lot was empty when they landed, he said. I suppose that doesn't make it right. The pilot is scheduled to make his first court appearance in Melfort, Melfort Provincial Court on September 7th. Tisdale is 195 kilometers northeast of Saskatoon. Just in case you're wondering where Tisdale is. Big, big crime day in Tisdale there. Big crime day in Tisdale, Liz says. Yes, it was. The question I have is, why would they send a mounted policeman to investigate a helicopter? Surely the horse is going to get frightened by the helicopter, mm. all that clanking and rattling. Yeah, Should they that- just send a normal policeman? I bet, I bet the, uh, <laughs> the uh, policeman was uh, dismounted when it got close to the helicopter. Okay, Hopefully, but what did, you, what did you do with his head. horse? You tied up at the at the Dairy Queen? Alice said, or he lost his head. <laughs> yes, possibly. Good one. All right. Possibly. Well, the serious answer to that is that the RCMP actually acts as the provincial police in Saskatchewan. Breaking news. Okay, say it again, Liz. I'll try to repeat what you're saying at this. Okay, it, the truth is there is a serious the serious, the serious answer, answer to this is. is the RCMP, the RCMP is actually, is actually contracted to be the provincial, to be the provincial police, police force, force in Saskatchewan. In Saskatchewan. Um, yes. Okay. Does it really clear this up, Liz, though? No. No. Okay. <laughs> explain why they've all got horses. I mean, okay. I don't know. All right. Well, that's all I have to say about that. I thought it was a great news Good. item. I thought it was a great news item too, Liz. That's that's kind of cool. Um, I like. Uh, I would have gone. Oh, that's Kinda pretty cool. cool. The Dairy Queen. Cool. Oh yeah, cool Dairy Queen ice cream sandwich. Yes. Yeah. All right. Not that's right. enough of the news. Yeah, I think we're going to have a nice long getting to know know us segment. Oh, again, I forgot to do the. Um, the uh, lyrics for this, lyrics. but uh, that's okay. You have it on the rolling thing at the bottom. Yeah, that's what I need to do. You're right. Getting to know all about us. Yes, I know that those aren't the original lyrics. Getting to hope you like us too. Now, I think by now, Steph knows that I'm not trying to sing the actual lyrics. And if I'm she not doesn't, sure she does. maybe she doesn't. I don't know. Well, <laughs> Anyway, uh, that matters not here, and we're going to talk about what has been happening with the crew since, or at least the crew that's here today, uh, since the last episode. And uh, I don't know if you want me to go first, uh, Nick, or if you would yeah, like to go, go first. Yeah, you've got lots to talk about. Uh, there's a lot of stuff here. Okay, uh, I just got back from a trip um, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. It was a three-day, obviously, and uh, one of my layovers was in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and unfortunately, uh, Larry Geezer, Gregory, wasn't available, but uh, perhaps I'll get to meet up with him in a couple of weeks when I'm back there again. Uh, but I did meet up with Josh Glaze um, in Tulsa. He picked me up from the uh, hotel and we went over to the White River Fish Market, which is like right absolutely next door uh, to or adjacent to the, um, the airport at Tulsa. Luckily, the Tulsa airport in the downtown area where the hotel is, is not that far. And uh, I'd like to say right off the bat, Josh, I'm sorry. I didn't even think about it until I got back to the hotel room. You'd already dropped me off after we had our nice lunch at the uh, White River Fish Market that uh, I didn't make a recording. I don't have an audio thing of our meetup, so I do apologize for that. But anyway, uh, next time, Josh, right? Uh, And he also gifted me with a wonderful gift. Here, I'm going to... 
I don't have too many of them left over. Hang on, I gotta get into my refrigerator. I forgot to get the prop. You, you need a prop? Yep. Oh. Oh, Here we go. Because the chair's not working. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, it's a, uh, well, the light is kind of doing strange things F5. with it, but it's an F5, F5 IPA uh, from mm. Oklahoma City. And I've had this freedom, before. Freedom and, fighter. And when he, uh, when he, uh, F5, oh, I, I see the tornado on there. It's an F5 tornado. I, I was wondering what the F5 stood for, but now I get it. Um Oh, it's, it's not the airplane then. No, it's not an F5 airplane. Uh, it can oh, be if you wanted to, but it's a really good well, IPA, yeah. by the way, I'd if like you're ever in the uh, Oklahoma area. Uh, so thank you very much, Josh. I was pleased to see that when he when he got up uh, to the room to pick me up and handed that to me, and I popped it in the refrigerator to get it all nice and cool. So thank you very much for that gift, Josh. And I really had a good time, and it was great food at the. Uh, White River Fish Market, and I think that that's where we're going to go again when I'm back in Tulsa, when Larry and I get together. And maybe Josh, too, if he's available. Um, speaking of meetups, uh, the West Coast APGers had their meetup, and uh, they sent in some audio. And let's see, how am I going to do this here? I can probably, yeah, I'm going to share this note so that I can show you the, f oh, wait, those are, we have overlays, don't we? Liz. I got pictures, yeah. Yeah, okay. So I'm just going to play the um, the audio uh, from their meetup, and then Liz is going to show you some pictures. Hey, Jeff and APG community. This is Jeff Muller from San Jose. Hope you're still uh, enjoying your monthly uh, coffee benefit, and uh, hope to see you soon. Great weather out here in San Jose, and uh, we're having a great time. Hi, folks. This is Susan Royce, private pilot, instrument. Fly out of NOS. Happy to be part of this wonderful group. And um, keep it up in the air. Thanks. Hi, this is Connie from California. It's uh, It's been a while. We've try been trying to get this uh, West Coast APG meetup going for uh, for a while now, but glad we're able to make it work here at Tim Van Ram's house. So uh, hope y'all are doing well out there. And uh, uh, hi to the APG crew. Hi, everybody. This is uh, Mike Walk and... Uh, not a pilot, just an geek, but it's um, just uh, thankful to just have a, a good time to hang out with everyone and just um, enjoy food and good company. So thanks. Hey, Jeff and the rest of the community. Uh, Jeff, uh, when I started listening to your thing, it was many, many years ago. I was asking questions about uh, the 121 world and all that stuff, and now I'm in it. And, uh, wow, it's different, but it is awesome and um Really happy to be here. Happy that Tim arranged this little get-together. Can't wait to see you, Jeff, and the rest of the guys uh, next time you're in the California area or wherever we happen to be. Talk to you later. Hello, everyone in the APG community. It's Tim Van Ram talking to you from his house. And we're having a, a meet-up with a small group. Wish it could have been bigger. Wish more people could have been here, but I'm certainly happy that the folks that came showed up and we had a, a real nice time and a real warm day and keep the blue side up and whatever you do to Doug, let Doug do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And back around to Jeff again, hope everyone's had a good weekend and, uh, and, uh, have a great time. Oh, we have a 121 joke for everybody. How do you say you work for a regional without saying you work for a regional? So here we are on leg five. 
ha, ha, ha. Anyway, everyone have a good time. Until next time, thank you very much. Somebody, somebody explain that joke to me. <laughs> I don't understand. He's got five legs. And he needs one more, and he'd be an insect. Hmm. That's a. That's not even five as legs? five legs. Okay, I gotcha. In a day. Yeah. Well, you know what? Even some non-regionals do five legs a day. I stay away from those trips if, as much as I possibly can. <laughs> but I, I actually did one a couple of months ago. But there were nice little short hops. So yeah, it was. A little bit painful, but I got through it, and it was uh, the first day. So after that, it was a it was a nice, easy trip. Uh, so yeah, that sounds great. I'm glad that you guys got together. I wish I originally planned to try to do my schedule so that I could be out there for that, but uh, this the thing that's going on in my personal life kind of got in the way of it. So I do apologize for that. But we'll try again, and maybe at some point. Uh, all of us on the crew can uh, meet up with all the West Coast APGers and uh, and a big meetup. That'd be a lot of fun. And uh, so we do have, um, why don't you throw up the um, overlay, Liz, of the uh, Tim Van Ram's wife, Pam, made bacon-wrapped scallops, uh, quinoa caprize, caprize salad, along with my ham and cheese sliders, and they made a tasty little lunch. Uh, Susan provided a whimsical appetizer made in the shape of an airplane out of zucchini and carrots, prosciutto, and cheese-wrapped pickles. Mm. And they even made a model of you flying it. Yeah, that's not that's me. Good. I mean, well, my that's orange. That's not red, that's it's orange. orange yeah, it's an orange <laughs> nose. Come on. And uh, let's see. Oh, and Mike Kwok uh, made this wonderful dessert, which is a peach tart. That looks extremely yummy. And the app, uh, the appetizer does as well. Yeah. Cool. He said, all of this was enjoyed on our garden side deck. We wish uh, you could have, um, let's see, wish more could have attended, but certainly enjoyed each other's company. Cheers, Tim. So thank you, Tim, for Brilliant. sending that in. Well and done. Great to see all of you, Jeff and Anissa and uh, Mike Kwok and Connie Edwards and friend and soon-to-be APGer Susan Royce. So... Big shout out. And Pam, of course, Tim's wife. Yeah. (laughs) Excuse me. All right. Uh, Let's see here. Let me move on. As Nick said, a lot of things here to talk about in getting to know us. Um, Micah uh, wrote us and said, could you put in the show notes for uh, today's show, for anybody that's listening in time, in other words, if you're watching right now, um, you're this is enough time because I'm not sure I'm going to be able to get this out before the innovations in flight up in um, Chantilly, Virginia um, at uh, Dulles International Airport or right there next to it. Uh, Max and Micah will not be attending innovations in flight at the Udvarhazy Center this weekend. Currently, David and Hillel still plan to attend, but there won't be anybody else from the show. And... Yeah, there you go. So that's uh, an alert to anybody that's watching, planning on going there. If you if you're hoping to see Micah and hoping to see Max, um, and you didn't want to see David and Hillel, uh, then just forget about it. Don't do it. Do something yeah. else. Stay home. Stay home. Yeah. Come on. Social distancing and such. All right. Um, and then uh, from Kelly Kirk, uh, the time and date for the Fargo APG meetup is tentatively set for Saturday, September fourth around 8 or 9 a.m., weather permitting. We'll meet at Fargo Jet Center, 
which is the fixed base operator, the FBO, located on the north side of the airport near the arrival end of runways 18 and 27. Interested people should direct message me, DM me on Slack and give me your contact info, number of planes, tail number, and souls on board. We currently have four people interested but would love more. So there you go. And I thought Kelly was just joking about having a Fargo meetup, but obviously, apparently not. Um, serious about this. September 4th, around 8 or 9 a.m. you can AM. fly in or drive in, right? You can fly in or drive in, yes, uh, yeah. to the uh, Fargo-era jet center up there in Fargo, North Dakota. And I could do like a funny imitation of a North uh, Dakota accent, but I would just be making a fool out of myself even more than I normally do. There so I won't. There will be no wood chippers. There will be no wood chippers. Yeah. What a great movie that was. Um, okay, I'm going to share this note again. I should have just continued to share it. And uh, because I want to talk about something that I keep forgetting to talk about. And this is where we look at what Nick came up with uh, for the cover art for our last show, episode 484, The Funyun Effect. And I think this is a great one. A bunch of Funyuns and a bag of APG-flavored rings. And then I guess these are the Funyuns, Nick, that uh, the holes lined up. And then we have uh, little yeah, pictures in there. Yeah, pretty dangerous to me. <laughs> it is very dangerous. So we will now, uh, from this point on, never refer to the Swiss cheese effect. It'll be the Funyun effect. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not, but it would be fun if we did that. The holes in the Funyuns when they all line up. Yes, it's a it's a dangerous thing when that happens. All right. Um, so I'm going to close this note again, and I'm going to pass the baton over to you, Nick. Here you go. Here's a baton. Oh, thanks very much. Yeah, yeah, yep. I've got it. Yeah, all right. All right. What's up? Brilliant. Actually, it wasn't a baton, it was a beer. Oh, thank you very much. Hey, wait a minute. Give that back to me. <laughs> no. Oh, hey, no. Where is it? How, uh, right. <laughs> no, no, you're not getting it back. Um, okay, meetup news. Uh, we've already discussed uh, meetups, but, uh, and I did mention it last show. I'm going to mention it on every show now until that happens. Uh, Saturday, the 25th of September. Uh, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. at the Hangar Cafe at Fair Oaks Airport, uh, just north of Woking in Surrey. Um, It's the place where my aviation career started, and it's going to be the location of the next UK meetup. And if you look at the uh, screen now, you can just see a little bright up in the top left-hand corner. That's uh, the Hangar Cafe, the very building which used to house Fair Oaks School of Flying where I got my first job in aviation, cleaning the toilets and washing the aeroplanes. Um, so, that's it. 25th September, put it in your diary. Come along if you can. I've no idea how much space there'll be, um, uh, what the weather will be like, or anything like that, because it's way too far in the future. But I already had uh, half a dozen uh, notes, DMs uh, from people, uh, lovely people who say they're coming to uh, join us. And all we're going to do is uh, sit and talk together and uh, um, perhaps, you know, buy yourself a meal or whatever you want to at the cafe and watch the airplanes and basically talk APG, talk flying, which would be great fun. Awesome. Uh, cut. 
A couple of thank yous for this week's plain tale, which will be coming along in a little while. First of all, uh, Rob Legal, who uh, gave me the idea of uh, the subject for uh, this week's plain tale. And again, to our dear friend of the APG show, uh, Greg Willits, who is a professional voiceover artist who uh, has frequently given me uh, some time uh, to record uh, in an American accent, an authentic American accent, something I cannot do. And I've been laughed off the APG before now. <laughs> well, your American accent's probably it. better than my British accent. So, <laughs> you know, I got to give you that. Uh, fair enough. Um, but anyway, uh, Greg has done it again. And I'd just like to mention that uh, Greg, of course, if you're interested in uh, having a, f he's got a lovely voice. So mm -hmm. he is a perfect voiceover artist. Uh, just go to uh, HTTPS, the usual uh, preliminary, gregwillits.com. That's uh, Greg Willits, W I L L I T S dot com. And uh, please uh, give him some business if you can, because he's a marvelous friend of the show and helps me out very frequently. Yes. And as we'd like to say in the business, he's got great pipes. He does. He does. Uh, that's kind of it, except that I got beaten at bowls today, so I'm a bit hmm. hacked off. Uh, but that's not so bad. Tomorrow I have a big match, and I want to win that one tomorrow. So fingers oh. crossed. Very good. Oh, ha <laughs> ha. As if by magic. What Hello. is this? Oh, hey. hey. How you doing, hey. Steph? Hey, okay, good. that means Hi, that we need to do this then. Here we go. And from her lakeside studio in South Kakalaki. Imagine that Kakalaki song going on right now. <laughs> Uh, Dr. Skydiver, marathon runner, strength training junkie, IPA connoisseur, commercial multi-engine instrument rated, backstabbing jumper dumper. It's Dr. Steph. Hello, Steph. Hey, Captain Jeff and Captain Nick. Glad I could finally make it. Sorry for my tardiness. Um, had to work today. Sorry. Uh, what is uh, this work you speak of? I, you know... <laughs> I wish I could say that. <laughs> it sounds like a four-letter word to me. Uh, yeah, it, does. it is. It is. It is. <laughs> well, I didn't. It's it the first time I worked this week, so I guess I can't complain too much. Oh, really? It's yeah. what day is today? Thursday? Maybe. Wow. Wow. So how did? Okay, explain, please. Uh, are we still on getting to know us? Yeah, yes. we are. Perfect uh, timing. And for the record, I was in my in my car driving here complaining about you singing the lyrics incorrectly. Um, okay. Well, and it's, I know it's on the record. You're doing it incorrectly. <laughs> <laughs> on purpose. But we're going to, we're just going to keep doing this for to, perpetuity, right? I just wanted to. Yeah. She just my, likes um, to, she just likes to pimp me all the I time. I just wanted to complain about something. Yes. Well, duly noted. Fair enough. Moving on. Um, yeah. So I've not had a little bit of vacation time this week. Um, so let me think about this. I don't even know when we did the show last week, but last Thursday, Friday. I believe. or Friday, yeah, Friday. No, it was. It definitely wasn't Friday. Okay, it was the last Thursday then. Okay, because um, on Friday after work, I went up to Charleston, West Virginia, and I actually spent the night there. Um, and on Saturday, met up with a couple of friends at a cabin um, out near New River Gorge National Park, which is one of the newest national parks in the country, and um, group of. Uh, friends a group of ladies that we normally take a cruise in the uh the winter but weren't able to do that this year 
So instead, we decided to be um, do something a little more uh, socially distanced and get away from people and things and go out into the, the woods a little bit. And the cabin we, we had was beautiful. It was really nice. Um, just gorgeous, well-maintained, very close to the New River, New River Gorge. Mm. And we got a chance to do the, the weather. Fortunately, cooperated for the most part. It was not terribly hot, but very humid. A lot of afternoon thunderstorms, a lot of rain in the afternoons. Um, but on, let me think, Sunday, we did a fair amount of hiking um, in and around um, where the bridge is. So that was, that was nice. Lots of beautiful views from um, kind of these vistas and points along the park. <clears throat> uh, question, then, Steph. Yeah. Uh, you're going to try and visit all the national parks, aren't you? Oh, I've got a lot to go, but yes. Yeah, I understand that. But if they're um, bringing in new national parks like this one, uh-huh. uh, hadn't you better speed it up a bit because, you know, the, well, the numbers Well, one, one of the new ones they brought in, I had, I've been there just before it was a national park. So the debate is, does that count? No. 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 What? No. <laughs> well, that's not. This wasn't a national nice. park when you were there. Oh, but but it hasn't changed to... in any way. <laughs> Yes, it has. It's, it's still, become a national it's park. It's still the Indiana Dunes. <laughs> now, wait a minute. Now, uh-huh. it's your it's your goal and your contest. So, mm-hmm. and you're the one so the that makes up the rules. Exactly. I've been there. Yeah. Just you know, but we'll still argue park, with uh, her. Yeah, we'll still argue with status. the rule that you make. That is, um, that's improper. fine. I have no no problem okay. arguing these rules for <laughs> ever and ever. Um, so yeah, that was Sunday. We did something like just shy of six miles of hiking, which doesn't sound like a ton of distance, but um, this first trail that we did was a mile long, so a mile out, a mile back. The first half a mile was all these switchbacks down into the canyon. Newest, <laughs> newest national park, not nudist No, we prefer park. to think of it as a nudist <laughs> national park. <laughs> well, you can do that if you want. You might be removed from the like, national park like, by the what, rangers. What's the problem? It's the nudist park. I heard this was the nudist national park. No, newest. Clothing <laughs> optional. Oh my! Sorry, <laughs> misunderstood. Uh, Pete was vehicle. very disappointed. I know he's canceled cancel the tickets. His, yeah, he's canceled his tickets now. He was going to fly Pete. over and visit. <laughs> I mean, it's it's it, there's a lot of wilderness. So if you if you prefer to be nude, then you could probably I don't know. You it's might be one, one with it. nature. I say. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So anyway, this first trail, there's a lot of, um, it's West Virginia, so there's a lot of these old abandoned coal towns, coal mining towns, and uh, you can take this one trail down to the river from the, basically the top of the valley or canyon or whatever they call it, the gorge, and um, the first half mile is all these switchbacks, like going down, I don't even know how many feet, probably about... 500, 600 feet down into the canyon or in the gorge. And then the next half mile is 821 steps, stairs, wooden stairs for a half mile. Haven't they heard of zip lines? Well, so the way people used to get down there was they had this, they called it a haulage cart, basically just a cart on rails. And they would send a a full one down and an empty one up, basically. Um, But it was a very steep track and apparently a little bit daunting. but very few accidents, reportedly. Just one in 1913. A couple people died. But that was way back there. So. <laughs> uh, um, 
and and yeah. the the trail was rated as strenuous, and I would agree with their assessment. I think I'm in reasonably good physical condition, and it was it was challenging coming back up in the heat and humidity and the all the steps. Uh, but but a lot of fun, interesting, very interesting history down there. Um, old abandoned buildings and coal um, mining artifacts and things to to walk around and see. And so that was. Oh, the and then the last part of the trail that we did ended up with this beautiful view of the bridge, which is the third highest bridge in the U.S. I think it's like eight hundred and seventy-six feet above river level. Wow! Um, yeah, it's it's a it's really beautiful. Um, I'll have to get you one of the, the pictures I took. Okay. And Sunday, no, that was Sunday. Monday, we um, did some river rafting. So we went with a company that does guided. Uh, river whitewater rafting tours and spent basically the better part of the day out on the river um that was a lot of fun and actually surprisingly the water was very warm uh it was like low 80s wow. and you know we were kind of trying to get a sense of well it rained a bunch the night before is this you know is the water level really high is it um you know how is this compared to normal and the guide goes well this morning the uh the flow was 2100 uh cubic feet per second we're like Wow. Yeah, we well, don't have what, any. What, what does, does that mean? What does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> In reference goes, well, to. Well, for reference, yeah, okay. <laughs> yes, please, for reference. Um, the commercial limit, so the, the highest water level they can take paying customers down, is 32,000 cubic feet per second. And basically equates to a river level that's 12 feet higher. Wow. Wow. So, Wow. Yeah. Well, I, I I went river rafting in Australia down the mm -hmm. Tully River, uh, and we nearly drowned six fighter pilots when their boat capsized and they got sucked into an underwater Ooh. rotor, yes, deep uh, uh, underneath a waterfall, mm -hmm. and they didn't emerge again for a very very long, long time. time. Yeah. 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 Very I mean, dangerous. there were certainly certainly some hazards, and you know, the guide our guide was very good, kind of explained to us, you know. At different water levels, you have to watch out for these things and going through all these different rapids. He was obviously very um, well-versed in all of the different um, parts of the river that we were traveling down. And he said, okay, up ahead there, that rock is very undercut. So if you end up out of the boat, you need to swim the other direction or this, that, or the other. But this, right. It was interesting. So, that sounds like a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. We, so, no one fell out of our boat. No one capsized. I noticed you were at the front getting splashed a lot. Yes. And thoroughly enjoying yourself. Oh, yeah. That was great fun. Excellent. Excellent. So if you've been rafting before, you know, you turn around the boat around and basically go back into one of the rapids and you can surf where the water uh, basically is coming underneath itself. I'm probably getting that technical explanation wrong, but um, basically you point the boat back into the wave as it's coming down. Um, and the guide had great, uh, he, he really seemed to enjoy putting me specifically right into the water so that it would just splash me. <laughs> I like that guy. Yeah, yeah so do right. I. I think we ought to send him a tip. <laughs> yeah. uh, Steph, I have a question for you. Go for question. Uh, was it? Were you out in the sunshine at all? Um, uh, some sunshine. Okay, I just wondering because um, you didn't get the memo apparently that we're all supposed to have red noses today. I so I was in the sun um, yeah. all day on Monday. It was overcast though when we were rafting, uh, but we, I was outside all day. I was outside all day on Saturday, and I spent most of yesterday outside in the sun as well. Well, you were probably smart, my... though, and had, like, some kind of a hat with a bill. There was an umbrella, the... but I was mostly sitting in the sun. Oh, okay. In 
Well, never mind that. When, when you're whitewater rafting, what use is an umbrella? No, no, that <laughs> was yesterday. Oh, well, having well, lunch. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. Yes. At a restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> you took your umbrella you were, to a restaurant. You were in a whitewater raft at an at a restaurant. Uh. We did. They did serve us lunch, but it was it was kind of With like uh, okay. It was like pulled pork sandwiches and buffet style, uh, you know, pasta salad. Very nice. I need ooh, to add something ooh. to my uh, getting to know us segment. Um, okay. The the best barbecue that I think I've ever had, at least the best ribs, because that's all I've had from this place so far. TB and J up in uh, Lake Burton. Oh my gosh, it's like a little whole, like a little shack, and mm. oh, it was so amazing. Good, good um, barbecue uh, pork spare ribs, oh. and great coleslaw as well. Man. Mm-hmm. I'm getting well, my stuff. That sounds perfect right? for me. Yeah. I just, I'm just going to move and live with you. Well, Jeff. you just all, come on over. I got, I got beds here. <laughs> I got beds. Anyway, uh, just, just my lonesome self here uh, in, in the place. But I'm not lonesome really because I have all you as my friends to be with me at all times. All of you except Steph because she's mean to me. All right. Well, if you um, just get the lyrics right, you <laughs> shut <problem>. up. <laughs> Well, okay. She can sing it then. She can yeah, sing you can it. sing next time then, Steph. In fact, speaking of singing, uh, I'm, we're going to sing right now, Steph. You ready? We're going to do the coffee fund. I don't think she's ready. Okay, here we go. <laughs> and, Johnny, how much more coffee? No thanks. Yeah, the latency is going to be horrible. I love coffee. coffee. I love tea. She's moving her lips, lips like she is. <laughs> Community, coffee and tea, and the Java and me. A cup, a cup, a cup, a cup, a cup. Very nice, Steph. Great job. You're hired. That was perfect. I don't know it what was. you're talking about. I really did sing. You couldn't hear me? Yeah, I could hear you. It was great. Anyway, coffee fun. That's the part of the show where we talk about these wonderful people. Whom we love so much because they support us financially. And a couple different ways to do that. Uh, One is the Coffee Fund Classic Method. And since the last episode, we have Maurice Vandenecker, Ecker, Jacobus, or Jape, I think, uh, Remans, Jenny Parkinson, and Chris Randall. And if I mispronounced your name, I do apologize. Pronounced? Pronounced. Yeah, pronounced. Sorry. I was hoping nobody would notice that. Thank you very much, Steph. Or was that you, Liz? It was me. Ah, (laughs) okay. And uh, let's see. The other way to uh, be part of our Coffee Fund cadre. Do you guys hear all that noisy traffic in the background? Sorry. Yep. Oh, well. Big truck going by on the mountain highway. Anyway, uh, the other way to do it is become a patron of the show. And since the last episode, we have a new producer, Daniel Ladd, uh, via Patreon. So if you want to learn more about the Coffee Fund, please head over to AirlinePilotGuy.com slash coffee. You'll be glad you did. And, you know, we will as well. Captain, incoming message. This is from Texas Anlashock. Greetings, Captain Jeff and APG crew. I was just writing to follow up on my last feedback. If you remember, yeah, we remember, about the battleship Texas. I'll wait for the big truck. 
it's to this is instead of the lawn guys that at, at it's very noisy it is are they are these like large like logging like earth lo- hollow, yeah, yeah they're things, logging yeah. trucks and stuff like that i think maybe i don't know I'm going home i have the the doors open to the back screened in porch and the front screened in sleeping porch just to try to get so my, this is my thought I'll turn the air conditioning off because that'll make noise. <laughs> Maybe I, need to, re- I need to rethink this decision. I think you could, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, need to reassess. <laughs> Next time we'll just stick with the air conditioning noise and keep the doors closed. Okay, well, whatever. It's a work in progress, as we all are, right? Mm. Okay. Um, no, I've nearly finished my progress. Oh, have you? Nah. Yeah. You're still, nearly you've got a long way to go. <laughs> Okay, here we go. Um, so I was just writing you, writing to follow up on my last feedback, if you remember, about the battleship Texas. I got some correspondence with the Lone Star Flight Museum, and they said that the Texas ship artifacts will be there until the end of the year. So again, I would recommend that. On a related topic, another place you might want to check out if you find yourself in Mobile, Alabama, is Battleship Park, where the USS Alabama suns herself in Mobile Bay, Mobile Bay as she enjoys her retirement. Why would this be of interest to a bunch of av geeks? Well, it also has a small aviation museum on the premises. Among their collection are a B-52, a YF-17, the predecessor Hang on a of... Minute. A small <laughs> collection? A B-52 is not small. Well, that's a big... I mean... <laughs> well, just yeah. the number of okay. aircraft. Uh, the uh, YF-17, the predecessor of the F-A-18. Oh, nice. I'd like to see that. An SR-71, a MiG, I forget the exact type, he says. What? What? We'll just call it a MiG-25. Is that that a thing? I think it is. No idea. A Vought OS-2U Kingfisher, similar to what Alabama herself would have used during the war. Um, I was... Reminded of this when Captain Nick mentioned in the most recent plane tales, at least as of this writing, the incident of Major Brian Shule over Libya. One of the displays here was his recounting of that occasion. It seemed like he was talking about the plane almost as if she had a mind of her own. At one point he had throttled back, but the plane did not slow down until she knew they were out of danger. He caps it off with a declaration, I love that plane. I've included a few pictures, including one of a rather snarky engine inlet covering, reminding ground crews that the engine works better with it removed. Ground crews must be in the forgetful sort who have to be reminded of everything. Okay, yeah, so now I'm I'm reminded that I should be sharing this note so we can see some of these great photos that he included in his feedback. So here we go. Boom. And let me just scroll it down. Uh, well, before I do, well, here, there's a B-52, and there are the other jets on display Where's there. Where's the MiG? Um, I don't know. I don't think that's the MiG on the right, is it? No. Could be. That one that's in camouflage? I don't know. Um, it's here's so that. well camouflaged, we can't tell. Yeah. The one that you can't see, that's the one in camouflage. No, the one in camouflage is an F-100, I think, or F-105, perhaps. Oh, is it? I can't tell from that but. angle. Yeah, I don't know where the MiG is. Maybe uh, they're keeping it under wraps because it's still kind of secret. Um, yes. Uh, so here's the uh, 
the uh, inlet cover <laughs> engine runs better with this removed. <laughs> removed before start. Just in case you were uncertain. Of yeah, that. if you don't really understand how jet engines work, they need a little air. That's kind of passive aggressive there. That is passive aggressive, Liz. Steph, did like you it. write that? Maybe. <laughs> there is the battleship uh, USS Alabama and parked in her place on the Mobile Bay. And by the way, I, well, Texas Amleshock probably doesn't remember, but I spent 1972 through the end of the 70s in Mobile, uh, middle school, high school, and such. We lived there. And uh, I've been to the, uh, on this uh, ship a few times and the Aviation Museum there. They also have a submarine. The USS Drum, uh, right next. In fact, you can kind of see it there in the photo there off to the right, a little bit down low. That's the the submarine they have uh, there. Um, anyway, let's go scroll back up to his note. He had a little bit more to say. Um, oh, he does mention the drum. Uh, you can see a few of the other planes in a shot taken from the deck of USS Drum, the nearby submarine. If that MiG looks a little banged up, well, that's damage that was incurred during Hurricane Katrina. As you can imagine, it hit this place pretty hard. Storm surge apparently refloated the battleship, which usually results on a shallow bank and set it back down. What? Which usually results on a shallow bank and set it back down at an angle. But that was light compared to the aviation portion. They had pictures when I was there of the immediate aftermath. If you're thinking a pile of toys tossed together on Christmas morning, you'd be wrong. It looked more like the trash can full of the wrapping paper those toys came in. There was nothing even remotely recognizable as a plane. Restoration I think that's is probably usually rests on a shallow bank. Oh, okay. Thank you. Yeah, I thought well, right. um, there's something that I must be doing wrong here reading that sentence. But uh, I... no, you read it correctly. There was okay. a word omitted. Gotcha. Gotcha. Typographical error. Hey, Texas Anlishock, let's do a better job of uh, QA yeah. or you know, QC. Uh, yeah, exactly. Proofreading before you send in another feedback. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, restor- Actually, I'm not. Restor- I never make errors when I type no, things or you send never text do. messages or anything. No, it's- I can't believe it. No, perfect. Restoration has been an ongoing process ever since. The most challenging one was repairing the Blackbird, which was essentially keyed down its fuselage. Uh, That involved finding new pieces of titanium, but they've made a remarkable recovery. Most of the planes look to be in excellent condition. A few have dents and dings that are apparent if you look at them, and some are clearly still in need of work, but that can change quickly. The aforementioned uh, Kingfisher was all banged up and missing its engine when I first went there. The second time, it had been repaired. Anyway, just wanted to share some of that. Hope they managed to get all the planes completely repaired. And I hope you have clear blue skies. This is Texas Anlashock signing off. So he seems to indicate that, you know, that MiG must be right there next to, between the uh, F-15 and the, whatever that vehicle is over there at the end. Right here. You see my cursor? Mm, no, No. I don't think it's showing up. Maybe not. I don't know. Anyway, just use your imagination. There is a no, it goes uh, uh, Thunder Chief, F-16, F-15, and then I think that's a Tomcat next. Oh. And it's because it's got uh, American markings on it. Oh, okay. Well, I don't know. But thank you. There Texas. is a strange-looking aeroplane with a big red fin across the other side of the airfield. Uh, I don't know if that's... Oh, that might be... Well, that looks like a... Um like some kind of a like a DC three, DC four, something like that, yeah, like a transport kind of 
airplane. So That's we hard can't to tell. find your make. Texas English. Oh well, maybe he'll sh- send us a a, a blown up version of uh, of the of the Meg picture. <laughs> I have to be I have to Don't blow be up careful. The Meg. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. All right, there you go. That is from Texas Anlashock. Thank you, Mister Anlashock. And uh, continuing on with this feedback from Jamie, uh, crime historian. Conducts dig for D.B. Cooper case evidence. And this is from Vancouver, Washington, Associated Press. Nearly 50 years after Skyjacker, D.B. Cooper vanished out of the back of a Boeing 727 into freezing northwest rain, wearing a business suit, a parachute, and a pack with $200,000 in cash. A crime historian is conducting a dig on the banks of the Columbia River in Vancouver, Washington, in search of evidence. KOIN reports that Eric Eulis, a self-described expert on the infamous D.B. Cooper case, began a two-day dig on Friday. Eulis and four volunteers are searching for evidence about 10 to 15 yards away from where a boy found $6,000 of Cooper's ransom money in 1980. Uh, Eulis said his theory is that Cooper buried the parachutes, an attache case, and the money at the same time but dug smaller holes instead of uh, one large one. The case of Cooper has become infamous, not only in the Pacific Northwest, but also in the country. The FBI Seattle field office called the investigation one of the longest and most exhaustive in the agency's history. On November 24, 1971, the night before Thanksgiving, a man described as being in his mid-40s with dark sunglasses and an olive complexion boarded a flight from Portland, Oregon to Seattle-Tacoma International Airport. He, he bought his $20 ticket under the name Dan Cooper, but an early wire service report misidentified him as D.B. Cooper, and the name stuck. Sitting in the rear of the plane, he handed a note to a flight attendant after takeoff. Miss, I have a bomb and would like you to sit by me, it said. The man demanded $200,000 in cash plus four parachutes. He received them at Seattle-Tacoma Airport where he released the 36 passengers and two of the flight attendants. The plane took off again at his direction, heading slowly to Reno, Nevada, at the low height of 10,000 feet. Somewhere apparently over southwestern Washington, Cooper lowered the aircraft's rear stairs and jumped. He was never found, but a boy digging on a Columbia River beach in 1980 discovered three bundles of weathered $20 bills, nearly $6,000 in all. It was Cooper's cash, according to the serial numbers. Over the years, the FBI and amateur sleuths have examined innumerable theories about Cooper's identity and fate, from accounts of unexplained wealth to purported discoveries of his parachute to potential matches of the agency's composite sketch of the suspect. In July 2016, not that long ago, the FBI announced, that's it. We're, we're done. We're not going to do this anymore. We're no longer investigating the case. We don't care anymore. We don't care. <laughs> Yeah, $200,000 just not worth it. <laughs> yeah, to be fair. Yeah. Not really. I mean, how much money do you spend searching for someone over $200,000? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, in 1971, that was probably a sizable amount of money. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Not now. Not, not now. Yeah. But if he was in his mid-40s in 1971. Yeah. Um, puts him in his mid-90s. Probably not alive anymore, I'm thinking. Probably not. Or, you know. Assume he survived at all. Mm-hmm. Although I did see a guy at the bar uh, here in the mountains um, just a few days ago that looked suspiciously like this guy here. Hmm. Did he have a Same lot of twenties? Yeah, he had a lot of twenties. He was handing out twenties <laughs> like it was. <laughs> Don't ask me how I got all these twenties. It's, it's a long <laughs> <Yeah>. story. 
They were all covered with dirt. He was dragging a parachute behind him. (laughs) He was, Les says, he was dragging a parachute behind him, too. (laughs) (laughs) Not suspicious at all. No. Like, I've just been carrying this thing around for 50 years. I don't really know what to do with it. Um, It was kind of, it was kind of battered a little bit. Mm -hmm. Very holy. He was a very holy man. All right. um, Continuing on with Tony, he says, thank you for another great podcast. I was interested in Captain Nick's comment about the cost of a sink in the VC-10. I was working on the first VC-10 in the final assembly in 1961. The cost of a sink, or indeed a number of minor fitments, was always a talking point. It wasn't that British Aircraft Corporation, BAC, were trying to extort vast sums of gullible airlines, sums out of gullible airlines. It was simply that they were incredibly expensive to produce. They were specifically designed and manufactured in-house. Numbers made were few, but they still had to go through all the checks and balances of much more significant parts, and thus the base cost was exorbitant. Looking back, I realized that virtually everything except the seats, electronics, and engines were designed and manufactured at Weybridge. Contrast that with today, Boeing, for example, after designing their aircraft, seemed to contract out virtually all the basic manufacture and leave themselves responsible merely for the job of putting it together, rather like a giant Lego set. The old VC-10 approach was clearly daft, but I can't help thinking the pendulum might have swung a bit too far in the other direction. Was so pleased to hear Captain Nick say that he is hoping to arrange a meetup at Fair Oaks. Provided it's after 18 September, I will definitely be the, definitely be there. What What's the date again? Uh, the 24th? 25th. 25th, so okay. we'll see you there. Excellent. Fair Oaks is very close uh, to my heart. Having had air experience flights from there and even one lesson through a fairly rapid calculation convinced me that a full course was out of my reach at the time. I have twin sons and was charged with amusing them on Sunday mornings. Parks and swings seemed pretty boring, and so I took them to Fair Oaks to look at the aircraft. Luckily, even at the age of four, this was a major hit and became a regular event. As they got older, they wanted bigger and better, and so I took them to Heathrow. You could spend a happy hour or two on top uh, on the top of Terminal 3 multi-story car park for just the then modest parking charge and no security men shooing you away. Despite this early immersion into aviation, neither of them followed it as a career, although one of them is a private pilot. Hey, that's good. Good health, wealth, and happiness to you all. Again, this is from Tony, Tony Smith. Oh, it's very nice comments, Tony. Tony Thanks was very in much the uh, chat room a little while ago. Oh, Liz says that Tony like was in the chat room you. Yeah, and look forward to seeing you at Ferrex. Yeah. Tony, yeah. if you're still in the chat room, raise your hand there and wave at us. Oh, there, oh, there he is. Okay. Maybe well, very cool. Now, he might be gone now. That was an earlier comment made that Liz wow. just found and put up there for us. Um, all right. Yeah, I wish I could be there on the uh, 25th for this celebration. Let me look at my... No. Never mind. I don't think that's doable yet. Um, let's see. David writes, Hello, Captains Jeff, Nick, Rick, and Steph. This article caught my eye. Oh, there he is. Tony is still with us. Okay. Perfect. Uh, this article caught my eye. It seems the RAF fought their ground. And then he sends us a link to the uh, dailypost.co.uk uh, and another post or another URL um, with uh, some extra history about this gentleman. And I use that term very liberally. 
Uh, on the recent topics of May Day in the U.S., this video is worth listening to. It seems at least one tower controller needed to clarify it was an emergency. Again, that was another item. So he has a, a few different things that he uh, sent us links to and says, finally, as ever, loving the show. Keep up the good work. Kind regards, David. And the first item here in the links that he sent us was um, this headline. Couple lose court action over low-flying RAF planes after claiming their dream turned to a nightmare. And this is from North Wales Live. Businessman John Arthur Jones and his wife, Rian, I guess that's the way you pronounce R-H-I-A-N, Rian, okay, brought the case against the Ministry of Defense. Uh, let's see, a former council housing chief and his wife have lost a high court action claiming that low-flying RAF aircraft have blighted their land and infringed their human rights. Businessman John Arthur Jones, 71, and his wife, Rianne, bought brought the case against the Ministry of Defense, alleging that increased use of Mona Airfield in the middle of Anglesey since 2007 had constituted a nuisance. They sought a declaration defining where it is lawful for aircraft using RAF Mona to fly and or damages. The couple own Park Chefney or Sefney, I'm not sure how that's pronounced, near the village of... Oh, Bodford? Bodford. Bodford. And to the south of the Sefni Reservoir. They wanted to develop their land to create a holiday and leisure park. Okay. What, beside a damned airfield? <laughs> yeah. Well, Does not such a great that? idea. Yeah. <laughs> what, what type of holiday park are we talking about? One with like Ad rides geeks. and Ad If it were an aviation theme one, then it aviation would have been a theme hit. One, perfect. If yeah. you're talking about like exactly. a getaway yeah. for a quiet, you know, relaxing weekend. Probably not yes. the right place. Yeah. They had been trying to sell their property since 2016 for more than $2 million, two million pounds, saying their dreams have turned into a nightmare. The high court judgment said noise from Hawk and new Texan T-1 aircraft had been the subject of complaints by Mr. Jones from 2010 onwards. Mona is used as a relief airstrip for RAF Valley a few miles away and for trainee fast jet pilots to practice touchdowns and takeoffs. In his judgment, Judge Craig Stefton, QC, declared at Manchester, The very loud noise of aircraft using RAF Mona has been part of everyday life in this part of Anglesey for about 70 years. Oh, wait, you're telling me they, they <laughs> didn't know that the airport was, had been there for 70 years? I yeah. love this judge. I think he's great. Yeah, Apparently practical. that was lost on um, this guy, um, John Arthur Jones and his wife. So, but the judge kind of kindly pointed that out to him. Before Mr. and Mrs. Jones moved uh, into Park Stephanie, the noise there did not interfere with the enjoyment of the land because the land was used for water supply and ancillary purposes. Unfortunately, the businesses that Mr. and Mrs. Jones started at Park Stephanie were, uh, when they moved there, were much more sensitive to noise. Uh, I found that contrary to the Joneses allegation, the noise got no worse in 2007. It has not become materially more noisy since they moved in. Moreover, the officers at RAF Valley have taken all the steps they reasonably could to accommodate the Joneses' requirements. In consequence, I conclude that the Joneses have no claim in nuisance. Their claims pursuant to the Human Rights Act of 1998 must also be dismissed. The judge yes. added, Nigel has a good comment there. I consider that this noise interference with the claimant's home, private, and family life is in accordance with the law and necessary in the interest of national security. And Nigel said in our chat room, Mona built, oh, it was built in 1915. 
So I have a feeling that um, Nick has probably been in and out of uh, Mona. Huh? Oh, as as has Nigel. Uh, yeah. yeah, we we regularly use that airfield because you know the circuit valley uh, base um, frequently became too full to use. So we'd head off down to Mona and um, you use that airfield as well. That's the whole point of a relief landing ground. So it allows you to. Uh, you know, practice circuits uh, with lots of students. So, uh, yeah, uh, we it, it's been in co- pretty constant use. I mean, quite honestly, the the two airfields are not that far apart. I don't know, about 15 miles, I think. So, you know, you're, you're not going to escape aircraft noise on Anglesey mm. because, uh, you know, well, this it's guy, just part and parcel of the place. This guy just seems determined to, um, I don't know, he's just kind of a piece of work. He is, yes. and, and uh, O'Neill says, sounds like a brilliant place. If I had two million pounds, I'd buy it. Well, um, an awful lot of people actually holiday uh, in the on the beaches and the in the holiday parks around Valley purely mm-hmm. so they can watch the military aircraft there. Well, apparently, mm-hmm. uh, John Arthur Jones is not a fan. And interestingly, the other link that, uh, <laughs> that uh, David sent to us is uh, about five years ago. Um, so, you know, he's currently 71 years old. When he was 66, uh, John Arthur Jones was convicted of causing dangerous distractions to hawk jet pilots on night flaning, uh, training, fli- flaning trites, night <laughs> training flights during his trial in June. Uh, Mold Crown Court heard he had a grievance against the RAF and at one stage considered legal action. (laughs) The former counselor had denied 13 charges of endangering aircraft. Jones, who was also a a council housing director, shone the lights at jets flying from RAF Mona Anglesey between November 2013 and September 2014. He had told police pilots were deliberately harassing him by flying over his property. So I guess How he was like see it at night. He was using like lasers where the or something. The lasers are coming from. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I, I like this judge's uh, statement even better than the previous one. This is this oh yeah, wonderful. Well, read read the statement from Judge uh, Geraint Walters. Uh, stuff. Yes, he said, uh, "You possess an abundance of self belief in your own ability to achieve things, which transcends all reason, and which is born out of profound arrogance." Couldn't have Excellent. said it better. <laughs> Excellent. I, I love these judges. I, might, I, I think I'm yeah. going like, to save that Good and man. just you know, rework it for my own purposes. <laughs> I need to talk to people in the future. You possess an abundance of self-belief in your own ability to achieve yeah. things. <laughs> Which we need that onto some APG merch. <laughs> yeah, we do. Yeah, we it. need to put it on a t-shirt. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that needs to be on a t-shirt for sure. Wow. I'll write it down. Yeah, mm-hmm. so that, um, you know, how could he think that that, like, shining laser lights at these jets would like convince them you know we should probably shut down mona airfield uh, oh yeah if we just you know uh, we'll be scared away by these bright lights mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm, absolutely <laughs> <laughs> well i'm i'm glad to say that uh, luckily the judicial system in the united kingdom has seen sense and uh put an end to his current claims. I'm hoping he'll run out of money before long and won't be able to bring any more. Well, he's not getting any money for his property, apparently. (laughs) He's probably overpriced, too. Nick, read that comment from Neil Lanwarm. He's lucky he didn't... Sorry, he's lucky they didn't harass him with a laser-guided bomb. Yes. <laughs> yeah, let's track perfect... that laser beam. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. You're going to fire a laser while we're going to chuck an LGB your way. Uh, you know, we yeah. could use uh, these kind of judges here, uh, over here in the U.S. Um, yeah. Can you send them over, like on loan I'm or something? I'm sure you have a few. Yeah, I'm sure we do. Sure we do. He's a hanging judge. A hanging anyway, judge, great, what it says. Great feedback. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, great. Thank you, uh, David, for that. Um, continuing on with feedback from now, how would you say that? Jape or Jap? Uh, Jacobus is his actual name because he sent us a coffee fund donation. Um, he says, hi guys, just made a small coffee donation as, th- as a thank you for your podcast. I always listen to them in the car and I, and I enjoy them very much. The last podcast where captain Jeff told us about his personal life and captain Nick about admitting your mistakes and taking responsibility made me realize that this podcast and your team is so much more than just a podcast about the aviation industry. So much more. I am an aviation enthusiast and have flown all over the world, mainly for work as a passenger. The closest I get to flying myself is in my sim with pilot edge, real ATC to make it as realistic as possible. Just a hobby but I love it. A big thank you to the whole team for your great podcasts and the personal touch in your stories. I wish you all the best and I look forward to the next episodes. Thanks guys. And again, Jape Riemens in the Netherlands. And he said, Oh, PS, I forgot to mention the great story of my fellow Dutchman, Captain Rico from Rotterdam. What a story. Yeah, it was first officer Rico. Uh, if you haven't heard, um, his audio feedback, please refer to episode Four eighty-four, I think that's when we covered it, right? Last. Oh, last that episode? makes more sense I now. I think it was two because I thought oh, two uh, okay. a Jap was uh, suggesting that this chap was a fellow out of history and he would make a good plain tale. No, I don't so think so. I, I think, started yeah. googling. <laughs> good kind of Rico, uh, you know, uh, Dutch uh, Netherlands. Uh, yeah, you know. But remember that and, and I was, Liz is I thinking it might have been two episodes ago. Might, uh, yeah, I think it might even yeah. be. Yeah, I've got a very short memory. A might be. Uh, she's doing uh, staff, staff, not staff. I'm saying staff. Uh-huh. Um, they're working on it. The staff is working on it, uh, okay, trying to find I'm the exact. Um, okay. Yeah, she she'll let me know when she finds. That's it. right. Uh, yeah. Um, I'll stop looking for their plain tale about Captain Rico then. Yeah, I don't know, but it sounds like he's had an interesting career so far, so maybe one of these days it will be a plain tale. <laughs> well, he's the Flying Dutchman. Uh, yeah. By the way, thanks very much indeed, uh, chap, for your lovely comments. Appreciate yes. that. Uh, mm-hmm. And a lovely uh, feedback. Most pre- yeah, yeah, very uh, very nice compliment. Um, and, and I'm glad that it's more than or more than applicable to just aviation related stuff i think that uh, we show you that you know even though aviation is our thing um you know we uh, the way we live our lives and and our perspective on things is applicable to many different things in life yeah so. absolutely it's apparently Liz is still APG looking. 483 uh, I haul boxes already found oh, it. I told him I that was terrifyingly. Uh, ah, you're fired, it was scary Liz. how how quickly he found it. <laughs> it was uh, only two ago. Yeah. Yeah, he's even got the timestamp on there. Two hours. Oh, look at that timestamp. Even wow, nice job, I haul boxes. Thank you, I haul. Good for you. Okay. Anyway, it's an hour and a half now, but guys. Oh, okay. Uh, hour and a half. Uh, Liz is telling us. Um, I got so. distracted by the time. Ha 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 ha. Oh, crack it up, aren't we? Speaking of things that are scary, this next uh, feedback. Yeah, is it is. Terrifying. Um, oh yeah. No kidding. I can't believe this. Now I'm not sure. Oh, yeah. if Joe is is is, is this tongue in cheek? Um, yes. Thinking well, maybe. Well, his feedback is, but I'm not sure that the news story. Well. I don't know. I, I'm not certain. Well, it might be. It might Steph, have been. Why don't you? Uh, why, why don't you tell us about this? Oh, I can't believe this. It's terrifying. Well, it's just terrifying. I did have. Yeah. Okay. So it was Friday the thirteenth. I even acknowledge that. Um, oh. 
So this is from Y City News, and it says United Airlines flight makes loop over county. <gasps> wow, do, do, do. that would be something wow. to see an airplane, like a, an <laughs> like, airliner, like, do a loop. loop? Oh golly, yes. So I think that's, let's, let's see what they really mean. Oh. Friday the 13th is having at least one interesting turn of events over the skies of uh, Muscungum County. Probably butchered that. Nailed it. Sorry. (laughs) I get to do it. Uh, A United Airlines flight conducted an entire 360-degree loop early Friday afternoon. So I'm still not clear what type of loop they mean. I think we've got some photos. You know, it doesn't even look like a 360-degree loop to me, but okay. Uh, it there looks very much like it's got straight edges. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh-huh. and it kind of looks like, a lot so like a holding pattern. Flight 546 oh, departed really? San Diego, California, yeah. earlier this morning and made a unique maneuver when passing over Zanesville. <laughs> unique! <laughs> I hope As it passed Adam nearly Spink. directly. I hope nearly Adam Spink is absolutely this. rolling around on the floor right now. <laughs> so ridiculous. As it passed nearly directly above Genesis Hospital, pilots diverted the plane southeast towards the Zanesville Municipal Airport. Hmm. Instead of lowering its altitude, the plane made what is essentially an elongated circle as if it was headed back west. It then completed the turn and continued along its way towards the flight's scheduled destination what? in Washington, D.C. <laughs> Wait, they have, they have an explanation. Oh, while the exact reason for the maneuver is unknown, it appears it could be related to an ongoing storm above the U.S. Capitol. I'm surprised that they actually came up with that idea. You know? <laughs> yeah. Wow. I no mean, kidding. I, I, I noticed that the uh, byline says staff report. He couldn't, yeah. He couldn't be... Bothered uh, to take, take credit for no, his story. To put his story. name to it. Because <laughs> he knew he'd be ridiculed. Good point. Good point. And he, was, he would have been right. Yes. Wow. Okay. Um, it seems like most of their articles are written by staff report. I'm yeah. looking at their... Maybe robots It's a worry. Yeah. Slow the, news. Uh, the recent articles. Fair King is a lifelong attendee at the county fair, apparently. Uh, that <laughs> Genesis Hospital Healthcare System announces updated visitation <laughs> restrictions. So there's some, you know... Well, thank you. Can you give us some more news about Zanesville, Ohio, Steph? Large drug bust Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> what they're hey, planning one not only do you come here for aviation news but also local news in the zanesville ohio area absolutely mm-hmm. yes and now you adam's comment yes, adam is saying minutes. in our next item the corner shop closes 30 minutes early tomorrow breaking news okay well that was fun Thank you, Joe Skina, Sheena, Shena, however you pronounce your last name. And we just call him Joe. We just call him Joe. Just good old Joe. All right. And let's continue on. We have some audio feedback from Leiden. <laughs> Ladon. Hello, APG community and crew. It's Ladon back here again some great news it is august the 13th um as you guys hopefully you guys you guys probably don't remember i'm not sure but um i scheduled my check ride for today and i passed i'm so excited i'm words cannot explain how excited i am and um like i i can't even explain what i'm feeling right now i'm just so excited and happy 
that all that hard work, all that five years of of flying uh, has has paid off. All, all those stage checks that I've failed, or those stage checks that I did not complete, and and just all that hard work I put in, it, it all it all feels good. And also today, my mom surprised me. Uh, she drove all the way from New York to Plymouth to surprise me. Um, and yeah, surprised me. I was really surprised. As soon as we landed, she was like, uh, standing there in the FBO. I walked in and she's like, what on? And screaming and everybody's like clapping and stuff and saying congratulations. It was a, it was a good moment. It was a great moment. I'll always remember that moment. And, uh, right after that, um, the dispatchers, they were like, the plane's okay for another, uh, 40 minutes, an hour and a half. Um, do you want to go take her up? And I was like, yeah. And I asked her. She said, do you want to go? She said, yes. Did not hesitate at all to say yes. And we went up. We flew around the Plymouth area. And we came back. Um, but, yeah. Just so excited that I finally get to share that with you guys. Um, and the community. And, uh, yeah. That's really it right now um, for this feedback. And can't wait to hear the next episode. Uh, the last episode was also enjoyable. Um, also found uh, all the goofy things about your planes very entertaining. But, uh, yeah, thanks again for everything. Uh, the blue sky's up, or whatever they say. Uh, thanks again. See you around. Thank you. Hey, LaDon. It's all, every show is great. Come on. You know it. Anyway. <laughs> uh, Everyone better than the... Do you think LaDonna has been celebrating things? his uh, achievement? You th- I wouldn't blame him for I, I wouldn't either. having a celebratory adult beverage or Let's, tea. You know what? Uh, I think it's worth one more round of applause for LaDon. Yay, well done. Very Good nice. Job. Very nice. Good job. Just, you know, one check ride down and, you know, many more to go, I'm sure. Yeah. So... That's well, if you're going to make it a career, it never bloody stops. No, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. That's one of the downsides of this career. <laughs> Hope you like check rides. <laughs> if you yeah. like check rides, I think you should go see a psychologist or psychiatrist <laughs> yeah. or something. I don't know. Professional help, for sure. Professional yeah. help, for I'd sure, yeah. Go see a nut job, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, you know what, Nick? Because we're concerned uh, of, about you and your uh, making sure you have a good night's rest before your uh, play uh, tomorrow, your bowls. My play. Your, your bowling play. <laughs> whatever whatever like the thing is that you have to do. Whatever it is you're doing there with those balls and, I don't know, are there pins there? Match. No, probably not. A match. match. Yeah, with your I've match. Got an important match tomorrow. Yes, you have an important match tomorrow, and uh, I know it's getting late there, so we have made the command decision to go ahead and do this week's installment of the Old Pilot's Plain Tales. And this week's title is The Young Tiger Tanker Boys. Take it away, Old Pilot. The Old Pilot's Plain Tales. The Young Tiger Tanker Boys. As the United States Air Force entered the jet age and took on the role of strategic nuclear strike, 
In the mad era of mutually assured destruction, it became vital that support aircraft such as Edoair refueling tankers were developed to match the capabilities of the new nuclear strategic bombers. In 1954, the Strategic Air Command held a competition for the next generation of tanker aircraft. Lockheed won the competition with a proposal for a tanker version of their new L-193 Constellation II airliner design. But as it turned out, since the Boeing Dash 8, the precursor to the Boeing 707, was already flying, some of those aircraft were converted to act as an interim measure. Despite the results of the competition, the Air Force Secretary took it upon himself to order 250 of these interim KC-135 aircraft and then drop the Lockheed version so that the USAF wouldn't have to support two separate tanker designs, which put an end to the Constellation II. So much for the competition. Albeit based on a first-generation jet airliner, the KC-135 has served extremely well in its tanker role and has been successfully re-engined twice to improve performance and efficiency as well as receiving flight deck upgrades. It has also had improvements to its refueling system to increase compatibility with the United States Navy and many other Air Force's aircraft, which employ probe and drogue refueling rather than the USAF's flying boom equipment. Despite the arrival of the KC-135's replacement aircraft, the troubled Boeing KC-46 Pegasus, after over 60 years, the KC-135 continues to serve and some airframes would be capable of doing so until at least 2030. Despite being procured to support SAC, it was in the late 1960s that the Strato tanker, as it's formerly known, came to the fore as a force multiplier in the Southeast Asian theatre. The mid-air refueling of USAF and Navy fighters and bombers was vital to give the range and endurance that would allow massed aircraft formations to penetrate deep into Vietnam. However, once those formations were on their way into enemy airspace, the KC-135's duties were far from complete. They would be on station to assist the returning strike aircraft that otherwise might not make it back safely to their bases. The KC-135 had no offensive equipment and little or no defensive capabilities, so being such a vital asset, they were forbidden from entering the combat area. Not only that, but they were only authorized to give the allocated fuel amount to a receiver and never to an unauthorized aircraft, even if they were in desperate need. However, there were times the crew felt the situation was desperate enough to throw caution to the wind and deliberately put themselves in harm's way to save their fighter pilot brethren. These dramatic saves became so common that the word became synonymous with the actions of these brave tanker crews who had no ejector seats and flew what was little more than a modified airliner.
tactical support missions were codenamed Young Tiger, a very suitable name that reflected the attitude of the men on board the tankers. It is estimated that the Young Tigers managed more than 500 aircraft saves during the Vietnam War, delivering salvation to strike aircraft perilously low on fuel and unable to make it home. Ironically, many of those saves were never officially recorded simply because they occurred when the tankers left their assigned stations to enter enemy airspace in violation of standing orders. This was a kind of double jeopardy for the tanker crews who risked not only being engaged by MiG fighters and enemy missile systems, but then for being punished by the Air Force if they survived. The authorities were vigilant, and instances of Article 15s or worse for violation of the rules were not uncommon. For the uninitiated, Article 15 of the Uniform Code allows commanders to discipline those accused without resorting to a court-martial. Punishments could range from a reprimand to a reduction in rank, loss of pay or even prison. Over the years, however, the stories of some saves have become known and even recognised by the Air Force, and not just by those grateful fighter pilots who made it back safely. One such story involves a pair of F-105 Thunder Chiefs who had themselves been involved in a rescue of a downed F-105 pilot, a lieutenant who had spent a week hiding from the enemy awaiting help. They had been providing top cover for helicopters inbound, but were on their way home short of fuel. All had been going well until the first HH-43 Husky helicopter was forced to abandon the mission with a problem. That meant the number two Husky was also forced to pull out as they weren't allowed to go in alone. Below them were A-1 Spads providing close escort to the helicopters but as they left the area, one was hit, catching fire and calling Mayday. Despite being very short of fuel, the pair of Thunder Chiefs returned to their combat air patrol in case the SPAD pilot was forced to bail out. The pilot put his damaged aircraft into a vertical high-speed dive, hoping to put out the fire, but just as easily the high speed could have caused the wing route where the fire was located to fail because of the weakened hot metal. He was lucky, however. The fire was extinguished. The two F-105s now had no fuel to make it home. They called for help, and eventually a KC-135 answered. The call went something like, Do you have any fuel for us? And the reply along the lines of, Not really, but it sounds like whatever we have, you need more than us. On board the tanker, the aircraft commander recognised that by going to the aid of these fighters, he and his crew would be entering the combat area and at risk of attack by Flack and Sams. He was also worried about the possible punitive administrative action that could follow, so he polled his crew, and they unanimously voted to go to the aid of the fighters. The tanker turned north to meet them, Being more manoeuvrable and with better visibility, normally the fighters will turn on to the tanker, but the wingman told his leader, Boss, 
I'm hurting. The leader knew their situation was desperate, as a wingman rarely dared to say anything. So they got the tanker to do the turn instead, the majestic KC-135 easing around just in front of the fighters as it descended down to their level. As the tanker rolled out, the first Thunderchief flamed out, his fuel gone. To eject now would almost certainly mean capture by the Viet Cong and all that implied, but the boomer, who guided the flying boom, told his pilot to push over into a descent, a manoeuvre called tobogganing. All checklists and preliminaries were put aside as the tanker captain jockeyed his big aircraft into position. On board the Thunder Chief, the pilot had extended his ram air turbine so that he could regain electrical and hydraulic power, but he was essentially a glider. They were both descending in a 10 or 20 degree dive in close formation, and the boomer was directing both his pilot and the 105 pilot, remembering that on the Thunder Chief, the fighter's receptacle is behind the cockpit and he can't really see what's going on. With a practised hand that could only have been achieved after many hours of pumping gas, the boomer stabbed the nozzle into the 105 and fuel gushed into the dry tanks. Still on the boom, the wingman tried an air start, which required the tanker to dive even steeper so that they could get enough airspeed, and with the lead Thunder Chief's engine chugging as it also ran out of gas, the wingman relit his engine and pulled off the boom to let the other aircraft take his place. Climbing back to altitude and now safe from danger, all three aircraft returned to the F-105 base since the tanker crew had given away so much fuel they couldn't actually return home. Safely on the ground, having saved both fighters, I'm sure the tanker crew were royally entertained at the bar that night for their awesome feat of aviation, and I have no doubt that every pilot who hears this story will be left with tremendous respect for all involved. This was far from the only remarkable story to emerge from the Young Tiger missions over the Gulf of Tonkin. A KC-135 tanker, commanded by Major John H. Castile, once saved six Navy aircraft with a complex and totally unscheduled refuelling. The KC-135's original mission was to top up two F-104 Starfighters using a drogue adapter attached to the end of the boom that the probe-equipped F-104s required. Castile's tanker refuelled the two F-104s and was then told of an emergency involving two Navy KA-3 whales, carrier-based tanker aircraft, which also used probes. The first whale had a fuel tank fault that prevented him from moving gas to the right place to feed his engines, and he only had three minutes of fuel remaining. The KC-135 hooked up with them and gave them both enough gas to get home when the crew were informed that two F-8 Crusaders were also on scene, short of fuel. One of them was down to his last 300 pounds, just over 100 litres. 
while the second KA-3 was still taking fuel from the KC-135, the whale deployed their refueling hose, and the first crusader hooked up with the drogue just in time. In a three-aircraft daisy chain, fuel passed from the KC-135 to the KA-3 and on to the F-8, the first time in history that that had been attempted. With their count of saves up to four, Castile and his crew thought that they'd had a pretty productive day when two more customers pitched up. Two Navy F-4 Phantoms, both with insufficient fuel to get back to their carrier. Now it was time for Castile to get worried. With all the gas he had given away, he was getting pretty short himself. He and his navigator crunched the numbers and decided that so long as they set course for Da Nang, refueling the Phantoms en route, that they would have just about enough to help. When they touched down at their base, the tanker had barely 2,000 pounds, that's about one tonne of fuel left per engine. Having saved six aircraft in one mission, Four-man crew were awarded distinguished flying crosses for their actions and were later presented with the United States Air Force McKay Trophy for the most meritorious flight of the year, 1967. In the next story, it was an F-111 that called for help after being hit by a surface-to-air missile. The tanker crew heard their distress call. Mayday, Mayday, Mayday. On board the KC-135, the navigator, Jim Hickman, vividly remembers hearing the call as they were about to head for home after a successful day refueling fighters going into North Vietnam for a strike. The crew were all sharing looks and weighing up their options when Hickman suggested, Let's go and get them. Responding, they headed north into the combat zone, and after getting the location of the damaged F-111, they closed onto it. Once they could see each other, they gently turned south as the bomber pulled in behind the big aircraft. When they got into position, the boom operator made contact and started to pass fuel, which was when the damage done by the missile hit became apparent as gas began to gush out of the back of the bomber. The fuel leak was only part of the problem, as the F-111 was struggling to hold altitude, and without help, the crew were going to have to abandon their aircraft. In situations like this, the boomer in the KC-135 has a neat trick up his sleeve. He can toggle a claw on the end of the refueling boom that holds it in place, and with that engaged, the tanker is able to drag the receiver through the air. Locked together, the two aircraft staggered along with both pilots struggling to stay in control until at last they came within range of the F-111's base in Thailand. There they could safely decouple the aircraft and allowed the bomber to make his own way safely home. Years later, a similar feat would save the crew of an F-4 Phantom that suffered problems with both engines mid-Atlantic during a deployment. 
With an engine out and major hydraulic problems, the Phantom could barely stay airborne, and it looked like they might have to eject over the icy waters below. Then the other engine began to fail. The F4 was going so slow that the tanker had to lower its gear and flaps to match speed and to try to connect to the crippled fighter. As well as struggling to fly at such slow speed, the Phantom pilot couldn't turn right, but eventually the tanker was able to make contact and lock the boom into position. The decision was made to divert to Gander in Newfoundland, and the KC-135 dragged the crippled fighter for 500 miles until it was able to get down safely. The crew of the tanker became another recipient of the McKay Trophy for outstanding achievement while on a routine refueling mission, saving a valuable aircraft from destruction and its crew from possible death. The work of the Young Tiger crews performed during the Vietnam War was monumental. With an average fleet of 88 tankers, over a seven-year period, they performed nearly 180,000 missions, offloading 8.2 billion pounds of fuel. That's over 3,700 million tons. A staggering achievement, only surpassed by the hundreds of aircraft saves they achieved, preventing many of their fellow aircrew from falling into enemy hands. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. You caught me dancing, dancing in the background. I love the music. Yeah. Yeah, that was a great story. Wow, these uh, tanker boys, uh, they, uh, they know how to do the job. Well, absolutely. And, uh, you know, they've rarely given the recognition they deserved. Yeah. And, of course, uh, many of their feats, uh, as I explained, uh, they weren't really going to make them public because they could have been uh, given quite a severe punishment for doing some of the amazingly brave things they, they did during the Vietnam War. So I think it was uh, brilliant. Uh, and thank you very much to... Uh, uh, Rob, to uh, give me a pointer towards uh, that story. He told me about the two um, Thunder Chiefs. He wasn't sure if it was true or not. But, uh, yeah, when I found that, I found lots of stories, uh, of, you know, a bravery amongst the tanker crews of uh, Vietnam. And, uh, you know, very impressive, very impressive. Well, just like I Hall Boxes says in our live audience, no one kicks ass without tanker gas that's true <laughs> well, very that's true. true very true and of course uh, we, we used to um make fun of our tanker boys in the royal air force uh as well but actually they were they were really appreciated by the united states navy uh, in combined operations that the raf uh, did with them during the gulf war and other uh, conflicts where the Royal Air Force and the United States, uh, the U.S. Navy, have combined, because uh, our tankers are all uh, have uh, probe and drogue systems, 
So, uh, and particularly aircraft like the VC-10 have really great uh, drogues. They're very stable, they're very solid, and they're uh, much easier to refuel from than uh, uh, the carrier-based aircraft uh, and buddy-buddy systems, which are lightweight and fly around in uh, in the breeze, uh, often very hard to make contact if you're, the air isn't very smooth. I-Hall Boxes also makes a pertinent comment i think regarding the future of aviation propulsion and if we are kind of converting into uh electrical um power plants uh will the tankers have like big giant long extension cords with big giant plugs to uh, recharge I'm sure, batteries yeah, i'm, sure, they will, so, yeah, I'm yeah. sure that's how that would work <laughs> okay yeah yeah uh, although he does say it, so. it may be more practical to carry a hamster uh, running in a hamster wheel generator. There we go. Mm. There was a picture of they, that. They will run forever. <laughs> Anyone will. who's ever had a hamster knows in the middle of the night, <laughs> that thing is like squeaking away. Yeah, but you uh, have, but you have to uh, kind of consider how much food, hamster food, you have to. Uh, you think that would there'd be a weight and balance issue? It might be. To feed them? Yeah, how many tons well. of that and how many of those little hamsters you have to have? I don't know. So he also says, yeah. maybe just until we figure, someone figures out how the turbo encapsulator works. Yes. Well, we're working on that <laughs> here at the APG. Okay. Good. <laughs> well, Glenn is. Taylor likes the good old uh, TriStar tanker. Well, mm-hmm. we don't agree with you. Uh, I don't agree with you, Glenn, because uh, as a tactical tanker, it was useless. The, it had two hoses, <laughs> both which came from a centerline uh, hoodoo, Uh, So only one aircraft at a time could refuel off it, whereas uh, a VC-10, in theory, could refuel three fighters simultaneously, one from each wing pod and one from the centerline. Centerline hoodoo? Is that what you said? Yeah. Okay. Is that... (laughs) (laughs) Hoodoo Uh, what? It stands for hydraulic uh, unit. Oh, it really is a word? I just oh yeah yeah hydraulic uh, something yeah. dispensing. I thought it was unit. like uh, the the equivalent of as Liz is saying doohickey. <laughs> no, no. Okay. Hillel is Hillel she is commenting from kit. the shower. Uh, yes, as we oh, say. Oh Hillel, uh, I hope I hope you're not uh, spending too much time listening to the show because you know you're going to have to do. Well, the he Slack needs to thing. listen to know when Slack is going to happen. Oh, uh, that's true. He said, that's how well, he knows when to get in the shower. Yeah. I mean, I think he's already in the shower, but... Yeah, he might. Well, that's where he pretty much lives most of his life. He's a very clean person. He is. Uh, I'm trying to work out what Eyehall Boxes thinks will be a show title. Uh, Because he just says show title. Uh, I think Hoodoo Hickey. Hoodoo Hickey? Hoodoo Hickey. Hoodoo Hickey. Know, okay. Um, Who's going to no, have the hickey? There's no though. picture I could possibly done for that. <laughs> who do the hickey and who get the hickey? <laughs> <laughs> who's the hickey and the hicker? <laughs> who's the hickey and who's the hicker? Okay, thank you, Liz. Is um, this like Miami Hick? Anyway, uh, I already have a show title. All right. Red Nose Day. Red Nose Day. Okay. Oh, I like it. All right, uh, let's continue. <laughs> move. Oh, Nick, is, do you want to uh, hang out a little bit longer, or are you going to go? You're going to leave us and head to bed. Uh, I'm going to leave you and head to bed. But okay. Thanks very Fair much. Enough. It's been great fun. Uh, have the good rest thanks of the for, show. Thanks for um, getting the show started. I will 
take it over from you here. Know, you'll take the baton. Started. I'll hand yes. my beer to you then. You have to uh, hand him the... Over there, yeah. All right. Oh, oh we, we kind of changed. Well done. But, I wow. Mean, you know, that was very nice. Yeah, she did that a lot better than I did. That's for sure. Bottle to can. I'm very impressed. All right, guys. Catch you later. All right. Thanks, Nick. Cheers. Good night. Good night. Great mm-hmm. match tomorrow. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now we can talk about him. Ooh, okay, what? yeah. God, that Nick guy. Sheesh. Oh, jeez. Oh, he'd never he leave. Never stop talking. <laughs> oh. Got rid of him. Oh, dang. <laughs> I'm still here, you know. <laughs> He's not yeah, dead yet. <laughs> dang it. <laughs> dang it. Yeah, I know. You know, I right, love I'm you. I'm really going this time. Okay. <laughs> sure. Sorry. <laughs> Have I ever told you how much I love Captain Nick? He is such a great guy. He's like it's my not best what friend. Said the other ever. day. <laughs> <Shh>. <laughs> he's still there. <laughs> still there. We see you, Nick. <laughs> oh, he's doing the innocent, like <laughs> pretending like he doesn't hear what we're saying. Okay, I got you. All right, let's uh, continue on with uh, Mark Van Ram. Um, he. He describes himself as the better looking of the two Van Ram brothers. And I think we would agree. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That was stuff, Tim. Whoa, not, not me. I actually have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> She's probably seen neither of them. Although you did see the, well, you may not yeah. have seen the picture yeah, of. Uh, they were okay. both at Oshkosh. No, I didn't see when the we were there. Oh, yeah, that's right. Liz says that they were both at Oshkosh when we were there. Yes. I believe i have i think they're equally steph was drunk both yeah steph was drunk for most of oshkosh yes you're right liz yeah um but uh i think that uh, they're both very attractive men and Mm -hmm. you know and you can say that you know very comfortably i can say that comfortably yes Mm -hmm. okay i got you got to read nigel's comment here. okay nigel says yes indeed i'm off to bed too nick and i are several or a hundred miles apart no snags (laughs) see you apgers okay sure good night nige sure nige you and Nick, yeah. have a good night. Have a good <laughs> Sleep well. Good snooze. Sleep well. Good snooze. All right. Uh, let's uh, continue on with uh, Mark's feedback. Um, the next fee in air travel, a drop-off charge at airports. This is from InsideHook.com. Never heard of that. Um, both London's Heathrow and Gatwick airports will charge almost any car that drops off passengers outside a terminal. Huh. Heathrow is about to impose a new fee that's going to affect pretty much all passengers and unfortunately start a trend among other airports that have seen their revenues steeply decline during the COVID-19 pandemic. According to travel site The Points Guy, London's Heathrow Airport will start implementing a five-pound terminal drop-off charge for anyone dropped off outside airport terminals, be it in a personal car, taxi, or ride-hailing service like Uber. The airport will reportedly use number plate cameras instead of ticket barriers to track cars at OFE, which will be paid online or over the phone. And yes, you can expect this to become a regular fee at other worldwide airports. A similar fee was introduced at London's Gatwick Airport earlier this year. As for getting around the charge, well, if you're simply picking up someone, you don't have to worry if you are already correctly following airport rules. This will not impact passenger pickup, which should continue via the car parks as picking up passengers is not permitted on the terminal forecourts, the airport said in a statement. As well, you could use the long-stay car parks for drop-off and take a free shuttle bus, but really... That's not a great option for most harried travelers. And uh, 
or hairless travelers. Uh, according mm-hmm. to the Heathrow Airport website, this charge forms part of our updated surface access strategy. Mm, I call it yeah. the SAS uh, and Sustainable Travel Plans. Shakedown. Shakedown, yeah. We updated these plans after reviews were conducted of all airport projects in light of the collapse in passenger numbers and experienced at Heathrow due to the impacts of the pandemic and the subsequent loss of five million pounds a day. Ooh, that's a lot of money. Um, This review included looking at surface access projects with the aim being that environmental impacts will continue to be prioritized and reduced whilst we also protect the business and jobs. This charge goes some way in helping us to achieve this. Earlier this week, Heathrow Airport announced cumulative losses of 2.9 billion pounds related to the COVID-19 crisis. The new charge is expected to raise about five bucks. No, about uh, 100, 100 million pounds per year. Wow, that's a lot of money. In 100 million pounds. Um, that's a lot of money. Um, yeah. I think next they'll be charging just to board an aircraft. Airlines will do that. They'll, they'll take this and follow suit, you know. Yeah. Two dollars, two pounds to just, you know, walk on the airplane and for the privilege of flying. I think that... It'll prob- it should go a ways to maybe thinning out some of the traffic um, for dropping off folks at the airport. Maybe. I maybe. mean, how uh, else are you – I mean, so public transportation, if your airport has good public transportation options, is a good way around this. Um, but there are a lot of airports – I'm not saying Heathrow and Gatwick. Mm-hmm. I don't know all the details there. Heathrow a little bit more, obviously, than Gatwick. Yeah. Um but other airports around the world, I'm thinking of my home airport, um, there's not a public transportation option and you can't really walk from like the main road. It's not really a safe place to mm-hmm. be a pedestrian. So you have to kind of get dropped off. And you know, like getting in one of those parking decks and then riding the shuttle bus. Well, they or do, they like do have, there's free parking in the parking deck for the first Actually, I think it used to be two hours. They might have reduced mm-hmm. it back to half hour. Um, but that's also because there's a lot of construction happening and they wanted to reduce What? Vehicles. Construction at Charlotte Airport? <laughs> Come on, Steph. That never happens. It's only been going on for the 32 and the, a half years I've been flying. <laughs> the entirety of its existence. Um, I know. Yeah. It's crazy. A small amount of construction. And by small amount, I mean like they're completely redoing the terminal. No, like the main concourse, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I'm wondering what Neville has to say about mm. this situation. Yeah, I think situation. He'd have some pretty good. You might have some I do. I do appreciate Charlotte's um, um, their charges for parking. They they are amongst the lowest in the country, mm-hmm. and they hmm. recently raised their prices. So now it's like twelve dollars for daily parking. And that's like the upfront close stuff too. Right? No, the upfront the hourly deck is twenty four dollars a day now. Ah. It used to be twenty. Okay. Well, you know, that five-pound drop-off fee, I mean, I think most of us would go, okay, yeah, I'll pay it, whatever you want, you know, just so I can get up there and get my passenger mm-hmm. off my, off. out of my car and on uh, the way. passenger should pay it to you. That's true. They should. Mm-hmm. They don't. They never do. No. no. Um, let's see. Let's continue on with uh, this from Jeff. I don't remember sending this in. You send feedback? Yeah. Well, you know, I, when we lack feedback, and I know that Liz gets a little, you know, nervous when we don't have enough, so I, I had to say, no, this is not me. I don't know what Jeff this is. Uh, let me look. Maybe I can figure this out. Jeff, um, note info. 
This is, oh, Jeff Dangle. <laughs> <laughs> is that like Jim Dangle's brother? And the and the uh, web, his website address. Oh, that's what I was thinking. What, Jim, what was it Jim Dangle? Jim, Lieutenant Jim Dangle. Lieutenant Jim Dangle. Maybe this really is Jeff Dangle. Huh. I thought it was just a joke or something. Let's okay. ridicule his name. Yeah, there. sorry, Jeff. <laughs> that's your real name, Dangle. I love it. I wish I were Jeff Dangle, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Liz, is, Liz is laughing so hard, I think she has literally fallen on the floor. Uh, yes, she fell out of the screenshot. She may. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Anyway, uh, Jeff Dangle, if that's your real name, says, Hi, crew. I love the podcast. It's been a long time since I wrote in. My daughter was on a BA flight landing in Heathrow today, and she told me that the flight went around after the wheels touched. Any speculation on why this would occur? They went around and landed uneventfully uneventfully with no explanation from the crew. I don't like that part of his feedback. Is this yeah. something which is standard practice on an airliner? I'm sure it can the, happen, but the I, going around or the lack of explanation. Yeah. I think the, the former, yes, the latter, no, mm -hmm. I would think that at a busy airport like Heathrow, it wouldn't be something like another aircraft on the runway after being cleared to land, but who, Oh wait, it wouldn't be something like, yeah, I think it would be, actually. Actually, There's yes. Adam. He could comment there. Yeah, I think that uh, it probably was that situation there where another aircraft was still on the runway and they were uh, directed to go around. And one of the things, well, I'll let, I'll let uh, Steph talk about go-arounds and touching down and that kind of thing. Me? If you want. I mean, ah. actually, I was going to let you talk about okay. it in the passenger jet. Yeah, that's true. I'm more in the than, part 121 area. Yeah, I don't know all of your... I mean, for us, it's not a big deal if you touch down and need to go around. Um, just add power rejected. and make sure it's configured yeah, yeah. correctly. You, you know, know, for for us, neither. In fact, um, we're always trained that uh, if you initiate a go-around procedure before you have touched down, it's possible, Expect especially in down. low yeah. visibility approaches, that uh, it's it's you know not uncommon that the wheels will touch down um, at, in, in the process of the go around procedure and but you're still continuing the, the go now, around. if you're if you're still in that landing mode and you have the speed brakes armed and everything else where touching down is going to cause a weight on wheels signal and the spoilers come up and everything else then you are committed to actually landing. But if you're in a situation where on short final, you're not that far above the ground, you start the go around procedure, you're basically disarming those spoilers from deploying when the wheels touch. So, <laughs> um, and, and the, the thing that is most concerning to me about your feedback though, Jeff is not doing the go around and the wheels touching down, which most people might think is the most concerning, but not really. What's most concerning is the fact that the crew didn't come on after that and s explain what happened. That yeah. should have, that should have been what occurred. Some there. sort of like, everything's fine. That was, you know, whatever it was, right. There was this, that or the other issue. Mm -hmm. No big deal. Can come back and, and land. Yeah, but for yeah, us, should have said you know, it was Steph, Adam Spink's fault. Oh, you know, uh, Liz is making a good point. She said that you probably should have made a PA and said it was Adam Spink's fault. That's what I would have done yeah. at Heathrow for sure. At Heathrow, yes, for sure. Well, folks, we wanted to land, but we were directed by Adam Spink to yeah, go around. Adam so in please the control contact tower him in the control said, tower. Nope, you're not landing on my watch. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, you it's were going to say something. Yeah, I was going to say something really, very really profound. Profound. <laughs> I just don't remember what that is. <laughs> about go arounds. About go arounds. Um, and explaining them. They're just, explaining. I mean, they're yeah. a normal procedure. There's something yeah. that you. 
Oh, I was going to say for us, for Steph and I, um, you know, going around is, is not, I mean, it's just part of our job, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. uh, that's what happens sometimes. But for somebody that uh, doesn't fly that often, uh, that it could be. Or a, even for someone who does. So, you know, we've that, kind yeah. of talked about this where it's not that common of a, a occurrence. Right. Um, I think I fly commercially a fair amount and mm-hmm. I've only been a passenger on a commercial jet that has once that has gone around. I hate to say this because now I know it's going to happen because of my next trip, I'll probably have to go around to like go five around. times on the darn yeah. trip. But I have not, I don't even remember the last time I ha- I've had to perform a go around procedure in the real mm-hmm. airplane. Now in the simulator, mm-hmm. you do them a lot <laughs> mm-hmm. because that's kind of one of the reasons yeah. why you go into the simulator. I fly at yeah. a uncontrolled airport with obstacles and hazards and other aircraft. And sometimes they talk on the radio and sometimes they don't. So go arounds happen I don't know, probably once a month. Okay. Yeah. But usually well in advance of actually being on short final, the approach gets broken off. And I I would say in the scheduled airliner world, part 121 world here in the U.S., that the number one reason would be an airplane still on the runway. They have, I mean, on the other end of the runway. You know, when you Mm -hmm. say you have to be careful when you make the PA, there was another airplane on the runway. People um, immediately probably <gasps> picture that they're like right there where you touch down. No, what yeah. we mean is, and I always make a make a point of saying there was another airplane way at the other end of the runway, that, but they had not yet cleared the runway. And mm-hmm. the rules are we can't land unless they're completely clear of the runway. Right. Um, and, and so a lot of times they can be pretty much almost clear of the runway, but if right. they haven't cleared fast enough, exactly. You have to go around. Like a little part of the airplane still like hanging out over, mm-hmm. like the tail is still a little bit over the runway. And it's like, technically, no, you can't do it. Um, but interestingly, takeoffs, that's another story, uh, at least in the U.S. and for sure at Atlanta International, where I fly most of my flights in and out of. Um, they can clear you for takeoff when the previous airplane is still on the runway on their takeoff roll. And they haven't even rotated yet. And it's like, really? You can do that? But there are some rules regarding separation and everything else, and they can do that. Uh, mm-hmm. It feels a little weird. But um, the, uh, probably the second most, uh, the second reason that most go-arounds occur, uh-huh. most common, thank you, Liz, uh, or was that you, Seth, that said that? Um, your voices now are like being the same. Are they're, they're, the they're same sounding? You know, yeah. Are you? Whoa. And how would you know? Wow. <laughs> oh, because I see both of you in my video. Oh, darn. Um, the uh, second most likely reason for a go-around would be for an unstabilized approach. Not, necessar- not necessarily completely unsafe, but you might have gotten yourself into a situation where you just you know, weren't at the right speed or the configuration wasn't complete by a certain altitude, and then you just go, you know, we're not stabilized. We don't. Have, we have not met our stabilized approach proceed or uh, criteria, and we need to go around. Um, and sure. I would say those two. Now, as far as um, go arounds and missed approaches and that kind of thing with uh, instrument procedures, you know, honestly, they really don't. They don't happen very often. And again, that's that's one of those things where we see that mostly when we're in the simulator doing our... Neil's got a comment here on the most common reason in Africa. Milking an idle thrust Oops, approach. sorry, no, the wrong one. Okay. Uh, Neil says motorbikes on the runway. That that actually is the number one reason that most go around. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. I forgot about that one. Hmm. Motorcycles mm-hmm. on the runway. Yes. 
Here's Mohammed. He's got a comment. Mohammed says, uh, you're talking about the U.S. rules in Dubai. Aircraft landing while the first haven't vacated yet is allowed by the regulator with... With terms and conditions. Terms and conditions. Terms and conditions may apply. I'm glad you said that stuff because I had no idea what TNC means. I'm pretty sure that's what he means. That mean, that sounds reasonable to me. Sounds good. Okay. Yeah. Again, that's why I said it was in, in the U.S. I don't know what the rules are around the world. Anyway. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you, Jeff, for the feedback. And I'm sure that you explained to your daughter, daughter, daughter that uh, what had happened. And I'm sure she was assured by. And we love your name. We love his name. Yes, we do love your name, whether it's real or not. If it is real, that's even better. I love we're referring. I, I would imagine that he understands we're referring to the show Reno 911 with uh, Officer Dangle. Ding, Dangle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of people have said that I remind. Is that your dopper, of, doppelganger? That is my doppelganger. Yeah. Apparently, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I do have those short shorts. Those short shorts. <laughs> <laughs> I love them. He's wearing them now, folks. Yep, and yeah. I'm dangling. All right. Oh God. Um, let's. <laughs> and Liz uh, fell off her chair again. Like I think she's actually collapsed. She's uh, she's laughing pretty hard. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, let's continue on with uh, some feedback from Robert. Uh, he sent us some audio feedback. And uh, we have some overlays to go along with it. So we do. here we go. Hello, crew from uh, Albany, Georgia. This is uh, down in southwest Georgia, my hometown. And I'm down here helping uh, mom clean out her uh, home. Uh, she's um, about to sell it and move up to North Georgia. And um, very uh, interesting find. She was cleaning out the house. And she um, is giving me my grandfather... Her father's um, World War II uh, training documents. He was a bomber pilot uh, in the uh, European theater back in World War II and did his training here at, it was called Turner Field at the time here in Albany. And uh, it was at the time called the Army Air Corps, as I understand it. And I'm going to send this audio feedback uh, to you guys uh, along with a number of um, selected pictures. Uh, from this treasure trove of um, uh, you know documentation from his training here in Albany at Turner Field, um, including also I think he uh, the pilots as you may know had to uh, have pistol practice you know they carried sidearms you know if they happened to be uh, shot down uh, you know thankfully he was not he survived raised a family became a pharmacist here in the community and retired here and, um, you know, lived a really you know, nice life and was well-liked in the community here. Um, so um, the other question I had for the crew there, if um, you are, if you know of any other veterans groups or any other pilots groups who may be interested in sitting down with me to go through all of this documentation together, would love to share it, um, you know, in, in full length of the story. Um, there is also a story uh, when my grandfather ended up in assisted living just north of here in America, Magnolia Manor. He ended up um, uh, finding out that there was another gentleman there that also fought in the war. And so the Albany Herald, the newspaper here, did a story on that a number of years ago uh, about Mr. Barrett and the two gentlemen there that, um, you know, became really good friends as they uh, were in assisted living, you know, before they uh, ultimately I believe past there, you know, uh, part of our greatest generation. So uh, I think it's a really cool story, um, and I'm I'm really glad that mom, you know, found this and 
you know, passing it on to me because I really love these stories. And I thought that, you know, you guys uh, being past, you know, military aviators and now, you know, airline pilots um, would really enjoy this story. So I'll send over the selected pictures. Um, you know, love to connect with you guys over email and see how we may be able to share more of this story in another fashion. Otherwise, um, uh, mom uh, actually retired herself last month. Uh, we, um, as long as the COVID test pass, are, are going to be uh, making our way up to Calgary, uh, to Banff, Canmore, and I still can't quite pronounce, I think it's a uh, uh, Aboriginal um, uh, Canadian tribe name, uh, but making it to the Canadian Rockies for her um, uh, vacation for her retirement uh, this week. Uh, going up on Air Canada, coming back on the WestJet. And so looking forward to that and getting to some cooler weather. It is quite hot down here in South Georgia, even hotter than Atlanta. So I'm hoping that everything um, happens as planned. And I'll be sharing some uh, pictures from that trip. And uh, hope that the crew stays safe. And uh, thanks for all you're doing. And we will catch up soon. Thanks. Bye. Uh-oh. Liz is telling me. Robert, that it's kind of hot up there. A lot of forest fires and forest stuff fires there, be, and stuff could too. Could be smoky. Could be smoky. What was the name that he was having trouble pronouncing, Liz? It's called Cananascus. Cananascus. Can you ask yeah. us? No, Cananascus. Cananascus. <laughs> okay. That's cool. Oh, I love those uh, those things you got from your grandfather, Robert. Um, wow. Yeah, really cool. Um, just history to have. Mm-hmm. Oh, and school I, I was going to say, I've been to Turner Field, but except it was a baseball park. That's the park. baseball one? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the hey, there's Ted a Turner, Turner Field right down the street for me. Oh, really? But it's also a baseball park. Oh. Okay. Ooh. Oh, well, ooh, I hear the thunder in the background and stuff. <laughs> it is getting place. very close. Like, there is oh, a large storm headed Kakalaki this way right is uh, getting a little stormy. Yeah. Yeah. If, uh, Two more items in there. Yeah, hopefully the power high. stays on. The yeah. next few minutes of finishing things up here. Yeah, Liz says we got a couple more items here. Looks like we're mm -hmm. going to have a, a little bit shorter show than normal, which is mm -hmm. probably a good thing for Steph so she can uh, hunker down. Yeah. Hey, just uh, real quick for uh, Robert Tucker there. He was asking about if there were any groups to um, oh, yeah. pass along Thompson, uh, information Robert to that Thompson's. might be interested. I personally do not know of any, but that's why we have this great community that we're all a part of. Mm -hmm. um, so if anyone out there has those types of connections or would be interested in knowing more or sharing, um, I guess they can let us know and we can yes, get everyone in touch. That's that's uh thank you for making that point, Steph. And I need to make a point. It's uh it's it's not Robert Tucker because I think now he is in oh, Tucker, it's Georgia. It's Robert from Tucker. I'm sorry, yeah, I, I used to that. say that from my fault. I used to say from Mayretta, Mayretta and yep. uh south of the big chicken, but now he Maybe is north of the big chicken no, and he's now he's in east, Tucker. He's east of the big chicken gotcha. by some some uh, I looked I looked up quickly at the notes and I assumed yeah, it was Yeah, oh I know. I, I yeah. did the same thing sorry. originally and I went, Oh, okay. Um yeah, Tucker, by the way, um my wife went to Tucker High School, and uh, we were married in Tucker, Georgia, Tucker Methodist um, Church. So back in 1992, October. It's a good year. Anyway, yes. Um, uh, nah, I don't think it was. <laughs> <laughs> Moving right along. It came out of 1982. <laughs> it was a horrible year. Horrible year. All right, let's move on. Um, this is from Eugen, Eugene, without an E. I don't know. How He's would you Germany, pronounce that? He's from Germany, so I'm not sure the German Eugen. pronunciation. So let's it looks say, like Eugene without an E at the so end. So I'm going to say Eugene. And he says, thank you to the crew. Dear APG crew, Liz, Dr. Steph, Captain Jeff, Captain Nick, and Miami Rick, 
First of all, I'd like to thank you for keeping my aviation content saturation at a high level. <laughs> That's what we're here for. I am Eugene and a fellow listener and community member of ABG from Karlsruhe, Southwest Germany, working in the IT industry. I've been suffering from this APG syndrome since episode 390. Oh, gosh. And at busy times, I've even made it to the 350-ish episode backwards. There's no cure anymore. No. There never was. <laughs> Shh, Steph. Sorry. I'm you got to give these people hope. Sorry. Uh, since my childhood, <laughs> where I got the aviation bug, I never missed out a possibility to do something aviation-related. I was a passenger on some he helis, helis, heli, heli, yeah, yeah, helicopters, like a Bell UH-1D. I even skydived once with a tandem master during a heli flight. Heli flight? Heli. Thank yeah, you. but did he pick up an ice cream cake? Sorry. That's, uh, that's okay. I like it. I love the ambiance of the... Uh, the thunder in the background. Yeah, Liz asks, uh, yeah, okay, well, your heli flight um, tandem master skydive, but did you stop at a Dairy Queen for an ice cream cake? That's what they did when they jumped They jumped out of the plane and landed oh. in the Dairy Queen, or and out of the, the helicopter and landed in the Dairy Queen parking lot. They actually may have. I bet and they would not have gotten ticketed for no reckless uh, use of a I doubt it. aircraft. Do they have Dairy Queens in Germany? I don't think so. Maybe they do. I don't know. Something um, similar. Probably not called Dairy Queen. It's probably German. Yeah. Uh, let's see. He was also in a military uh, MI or a MIL, MI-8, aside of various rides in the Queen of the Skies. Hi, Miami Rick. And commercial aviation. I have a friend flying an airliner uh, 737 in the east. Uh, but I also self-steered small ultralights like an Icarus C-42 or a Scheibe. Scheibe? Uh, SF-25C, I'm sorry if I'm, I don't know that, my I don't know my gliders or, what do you call them, sailplanes very well. We need Marcus. Yeah, Marcus, where are you, man? And uh, some sailplanes, not to count, uh, not to count in the full flight sim sessions in the Boeing 737 new generation and the A320. I'm definitely up for a PPL in the next five years. Well, that'd be awesome. And if you do that, make sure you let us know. Um, for now, I'm enjoying captaining my pleasure sports boat in my leisure time on the waters of Rhine or the Adriatic Sea. Enough of my introduction. Ooh, that sounds like fun. That was a, that was a good introduction. It's yeah. got some interesting hobbies going on. Yeah. I'd love to have a pleasure boat. Um, okay. After I finished the episode 483, Defending Our Honor, I thought to try out the uh, OB podcast. Never heard of that. No, I'm just kidding. Opposing bases. While I was waiting for the new APG issue. And let me tell you the following. I have no clue how OB became number one at Aviation Podcast. We did not say that. I did, no, not, this, this is the feedback, this, okay? We didn't, we didn't add that, as no. far as we know. However, to be fair, I think they should keep their spot explaining ATC life to us and all the pilots out there to get a better mutual understanding. At least for myself, I learned a lot about ATC already from the two episodes I heard. And this is Jeff speaking, kind of pausing the, uh, the feedback from Eugene. I, uh, you know, I kid around a lot with the uh, opposing bases um, hosts, Arhag, um, but uh, we love them. They're awesome. I listen to their show every episode, and I have learned a ton of stuff 
listening to everything with a uh, air traffic controller's point of view. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's it's really, really a valuable podcast. And uh, hey, if you think it's 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 number one, that's okay with me. As long as I'm somewhere up there or we're somewhere up there in like the top, top casts. 20. Top 20 would be good. Yeah, I'd be happy <laughs> with that. Um, but it doesn't really top matter. 50%. Top 100. Top, or at least 50%. Yeah, top 50. Top 50%. Top 50%. Okay. We'll take that's top 50% of all aviation podcasts. We will. And that we'll be happy impressive. with it because we don't, you know, we don't care really. We just, we just love doing this. There we go. 50% guarantee is on screen. <laughs> so, but anyway, yeah, I, all the kidding that I do with opposing bases, uh, honestly, I, I love those guys. They're funny. We kid because we love. Yeah, we kid because we love. They're funny. They're, funny. they're, they're very knowledgeable. They're, yeah, it's just, uh, they're, they're great they guys. They actually answer people's questions. And, and even if you, and, and there have been people, I've listened to some of their feedback, and it, it's a little hurtful when I hear the uh, people say that they uh, came over from our padca- podcast and then they don't listen to ours anymore. <laughs> a little tear comes to my eye. But I think to myself, you know what? That's okay. We've done a good thing. We pointed them yeah. to where they want to go. Right. So Exactly. Pass the torch. Yeah, we pass the torch. So yeah, we love those guys. And it's a great podcast. Honestly, it's really good. And I listen to it. I give them my stamp of approval. And uh, so anyway, I just wanted to say that just in case somebody out there thinks that, you know, we hate them. We don't. <laughs> no, not at it. all. Yeah, they're great guys. Okay. So um, Eugene says, no worries. I will stick with APG as my main podcast slash community for sure. Yay. Thank you. Now here, let me wipe up that little tear from my eye. Eugene mm. just made me happy. Okay. I have two more topics um, for the news. There was an accident last week in Turkey where a Russian firefighting amphibious plane of type Bariv BE-200 crashed during a landing attempt, killing all aboard, all eight on board. I couldn't find more info than in this article uh, from uh, Mentor Pilot. Um, Nothing from Simon yet. Is it related to navigation and situational awareness as it seems to have crashed into high terrain? Uh, that's his question, but I hope to get more details or thoughts from you. Uh, so I'll return to his feedback after we covered this. Uh, the article from um, well, from Mentor Pilot, right? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, firefighting plane rented from Russia's crash in southern Turkey. Five Russian soldiers and three Turkish citizens were on board. Uh, all eight people aboard a firefighting plane that crashed in southern Turkey on Saturday are dead, according to media reports citing the Russian Defense Ministry. The ministry said that the amphibious Barif BE-200 was carrying five Russian Army personnel. Three. Why do they do this? They keep saying the same thing same over thing. and over. Well, because one is a caption, one's a headline, and then they say the same uh, thing in the first line of the actual article. Okay, um, gotcha. But there's not a lot in I read the article. There's not a lot more than what Eugene has already kind of summarized for us, mm-hmm. so... I mean, anything that we would guess at would be just guessing and speculation, unfortunately. Um, Have there been issues with situational awareness being lost and CFIT controlled flight into terrain events? Certainly. Um, Does that mean that this was what happened here? Not necessarily. There could have been some other flight control problem Mm -hmm. or mechanical problem. Um, Hopefully we do get some more details. It can be smoky sometimes when they're fighting. Yeah, as Liz is saying, uh, when you have uh, forest fires, um, the smoke 
really limits visibility in, in a way that's quite different from uh, like uh, the normal types of sure. obstructions to visibility like uh, mist and cloud, fog. you know, water vapor and that fog, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Um, smoke is like a different animal and it's, it's not good. It changes the, you know, the, the colors get different, you know, it just casts a different light on everything. Yep. Plus it smells like smoke. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anyway. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we don't know. Um, hopefully, we'll we'll hear something more about that. I'm wondering why they, why were there eight? That seems like a lot of people on board a firefighting I aircraft. I don't know. Yeah, but I don't know. I don't really know that operation very well. So, anywho, um, his second point would I would like to point you to the missing SSL certificate on your website, airlinepilotguy.com. <laughs> okay, busted. Um, <laughs> This might be one reason why Google rates you down in search results as they always rank website. You know what? Uh, I'm not going to read the rest. Uh, thank you for being concerned about that. I do need to do something about that. However, um, the uh, secure socket layer or the SSL certificate uh, and Google ranking of websites and that kind of thing, I'm not really, we're not that concerned about it because I think that most people find us not from the website, but from you know, like podcast directories and word of mouth and opposing iTunes. Opposing bases. Podca- oh, no, opposing mm-hmm. bases. Do they still talk about us favorably over there? I would think they would. No. From time no? to time. Okay. There's, some, there's, no. some, slander, there's some mixed <laughs> slander and yeah, light I think hazing. They kind of give us a little bit, of, a little taste of our own medicine, I think. Yeah. Actually. Oh, yeah. But anyway, my point is if, if, if our show really relied upon traffic to the website and may i might just be naive about this but um you know i i would think that i would do everything i could do to get the the site up in the rankings and all that kind of stuff but honestly i don't really think that's a big deal for a podcast because that's really the main reason why the website exists uh is for us to post the show and get it injected into the rss feed so that your your uh, telephone and sell massive amounts of merchandise. Oh, and and yeah, sell massive amounts of merchandise. By the way, um, that latest million dollar deposit to the account, uh, Liz. Can you take care of that from the, from it. all the t shirts that we're selling and I mugs and okay. It's already in our Swiss bank account. <laughs> it's already in the Swiss bank. Account. I was I was looking yeah, I was looking around for my merch here and. Uh, <laughs> I know. Don't have any readily at hand. <laughs> we don't really make. I you know and I if you're new. Um, there is a way to get merchandise like the uh, Acme Air shirts and that kind of thing. Um, but I, I always try to set it up. I don't want to. I used to be a T-shirt printer uh, on the side. And that didn't work out very well as a business. Uh, but, uh, you, you know, we um, basically sell this stuff at a minimum markup. And some of these places that you sell through like Redbubble and, and Teespring and that kind of thing, they won't let you just sell it for zero um, profit, uh, or markup. Uh, they force you to like a minimum bit of markup there, but, uh, I would just assume just, you know, whatever it costs us for you to have, you know, we're not trying to make money basically the bottom line on t-shirt and we're not really actually trying to make money on we'll anything. The we're just, works out. maybe you'll change that. Yeah. Well, Liz says, yeah, <laughs> oh, maybe I shouldn't say that. No. Okay. Oh, no, I will, no, I will not Sorry. say that. <laughs> so anyway, anyways, by the way, um, iHaul Boxes has two good comments here. iHaul Boxes has back. two good comments, according to Liz. I don't know. You be the judge. Uh, On the firefighting. Oh, the thing. firefighting heat. The, th- the heat. The feet. The heat also gives you a locally increased density altitude. Oh, Correct. good point. That could be critical 
for an airplane like that. And most engines don't take hot air and ash as well. Oh, yeah. Good point. Performance yeah. is definitely effective. Right? Uh, so certainly good considerations. Also kind of conflicting from the actual article. Um, so they were... Um, it occurred as it was about to land, but also happened in the high terrain, too. I'm not sure what yeah. the terrain around the actual airport looked like or how close they were to the actual it could be, fire. But at any rate, these are all considerations. It could be like obscuration and controlled flight into terrain. Um, yeah. as, or, uh, you know, if he, as you mentioned, that increased locally increased density altitude yeah. if the fire was nearby and the temperature was significantly True. elevated. So many things. Performance considerations. So yeah. many things could have been a factor here. Anyway, he says, uh, oh, uh, apparently, um, apparently, Eugene, uh, he says, if you want help with the certificate, uh, I, I may know a U.S. web hosting provider who does do this for you. Sorry for the shameless plug. So he must work for, <laughs> hey, Eugene, honestly, con uh, contact me, call, call me, and we'll, uh, have we'll talk. Have your people call my people. Have your people call my people. We'll set up a meeting. Not this people. Yeah. Liz will take care of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, shaking her head like <laughs> yeah she's saying no vigorously. uh anyway eugene says uh, that's it for me thanks very much for all you do and your efforts keep up keep the blue side up tailwinds and endless ipas boy i love all that um IPAs. oh and he also says special thanks to nick for all the great plain tales i enjoy listening to all of them yeah we will make sure he gets that comment i'm it's definitely sure that he'll uh, he'll get that message so I'm thank sure you uh eugene or eugene or uh, let us know. Send us some audio feedback and uh, let us know how to pronounce your name. All right. And then uh, looks like the last item in our feedback is from Ben uh, from Fortress, Australia, he says. And he uh, recorded a brief follow-up uh, for Ladon's episode 484, our last episode, query about the Airbus side stick. So we're going to take a listen to that and which one of these was the one that i was going to i think it's this one here hello apg crew ben from fortress australia here with a follow-up for Laden's query in episode 484 regarding the airbus side stick logic a little about me to start i've done about 6700 hours on the 330 and then grabbed a slot on the 380 where i did 925 hours before i was abruptly stood down in march 2020 due to the COVID situation and currently still remaining stood down as of August 2021 due to the ongoing border restrictions imposed here by the Australian government. Anyway, so for the Airbus side stick, a flight crew member can deactivate the other side stick and take full control by pressing and keeping pressed the red side stick push button. To deactivate the other side stick, the flight crew member must press their side stick push button continuously for 40 seconds, after which the other side stick is permanently deactivated until any flight crew member presses their side stick push button. If both flight crew members press their side stick push button, the last pilot to press gets the priority. If the captain presses their side stick push button, priority left, call out is triggered and a red left pointing arrow illuminates in front of the first officer. If the FO subsequently moves their side stick, a green captain light illuminates in front of the captain. Likewise, priority Call out is triggered and a red right pointing arrow illuminates in front of the captain if the FO presses their side stick push button. And again, a green FO light displays in front of the FO if the captain moves their side stick. If both flight commanders use their side sticks simultaneously, their orders are algebraically added and Dual input. call out is triggered and the captain and FO green lights will both flash on the glare shield. 
On the ground after engine start, the side stick position indication appears on both PFDs, the primary flight displays, and displays the sum of both side stick orders. This indication disappears after liftoff. The flight control laws will limit the combined order to the equivalent of the full deflection of one side stick. And if the captain's side stick is held full left deflection, demanding a full left roll rate, and the FO's side stick is held full right deflection, demanding a full right roll rate, the wings should remain level. There's been a few accidents involving dual input, with a notable one being AirAsia 8501 in December 2014. People can read more about the accident if they're interested, but the relevant part for this discussion involves the sum of the side stick inputs recorded on the flight data recorder indicated that the FO was pulling almost full back input while the captain was slightly pushing nose down. The sum of both flight, uh, both side stick inputs commanded a nose up pitch all the way into the ocean. And a note about the Airbus warning and caution hierarchy related to this accident, the dual input call out was overridden by the higher priority Stall, stall. Call out, with the only indication to the crew about the dual input being the lights on the glare shield. Anyway, loving the show, keep the blue side up, and hopefully we'll be given permission to leave the country at some point in the future so I can join in on one of the meetups somewhere around the world. Cheers. Thank you for that detailed audio feedback. That was great, and... uh the detail, and I especially love the um, production value, uh, adding all those sound effects. That was awesome. Uh, thank you very much, Ben, for that. Um, and wow, uh, what do you say? Like 6,000 some odd hours in the 330 and almost 1,000 hours in the 380. Wow, lots of experience. Looks like um, Steph decided that this show was just getting a little bit too boring and uh, decided to leave me by myself. Well, I'm not really she by myself. She stormed off. Um, she, she stormed, stormed off, off. <laughs> as Liz says. Uh, she's going to try to reset the... I don't know if she lost some power there in the storms in Kakalaki. Yeah, blip or something. Or maybe yeah. uh, the router just kind of did a hiccup or burp, and uh, so she's resetting everything so she can come anyway, back. Jeff, on that feedback, you might notice that Nick responded to Ben on yes. an email there and just... Thank you, Liz. Uh, Liz is pointing out that uh, Nick did respond to Ben via email, and he said, really good stuff, Ben. Many thanks for your detailed response, which I was unable to fully remember. Hope they let you out soon. And, of course, he's not talking about prison, although it probably feels like prison for Ben. Uh, the fact that he's um, kind of uh, stuck in place and also the fact that he's uh, temporarily, we're hoping, lost his job uh, because of this pandemic, but we're hoping that everything will improve rapidly there down under and that you'll be uh, flying jets again, but uh, really good. So I was trying to follow everything there, but um, 40 seconds holding that red button seems like an eternity, I would imagine. Uh, But um, anywho, um, oh, main man Micah is making a very good point, which I'll, uh, I'll highlight and put up on the screen. This is a perfect reason for Liz to come on the show. And fill in as an emergency co-host. Mm. Mm. Now the question is, do you think that she'll do it? Mm. I'm betting. Yes. Oh, woo-hoo. ding, 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 yes, ding. Because we have no feedback left. So it's great. It's perfect timing for me. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So what do you think about that side stick controller uh, issue, uh, Liz? 
I think he really was just fantastic in that, the way he depicted all of those call-outs and everything. I, I was really yeah. impressed. Me too. <laughs> and and, as, and from your experience flying the Airbus with the side-stick controllers, I mean, it was pretty accurate. Definitely. I mean, my time on the 380 is, <laughs> like, incredible. Well, yeah. you know what? You have as much experience and time on the Airbus as I do. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. I want to hear Rick's comment on that. Your point uh, is, um, you know, your your perspective on all this is uh, just as valid as mine. Anywho. Ignor- ignorance is bliss sometimes. I- ignorance is bliss, <laughs> for sure. All right. Well, I'm so glad that uh, the the uh, controller, uh, controller, well, yes, she is the controller. Uh-huh. The uh, <laughs> producer, director, and control room voice in my ear uh, showed up for us as a, an I'm emergency backup. I'm cleaning up backup. my act because I'm on air. Uh, yes, yeah, she's, she's using um, uh, family-friendly language and saying very nice things while she's mm-hmm. uh, in front of you on video. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, I, you know what, Liz? I think it's time for us now to... Talk about our uh, wrap up the show and talk about all the ways that you can kind of follow us on the social meds. And if you'll throw the overlays up, I'll read them. And uh, one way to do it is via the Facebook or the face bag, as I like to call it, Airline Pilot Guy. That's where you'll find us there on Facebook. And we're also on Twitter at APG Crew, A-P-G-C-R-E-W. And that that's where all of us can post and get uh, information from you via Twitter. We're also on the uh, the IG, the Instagram, uh, APG Crew. And let's see. Oh, and our website. Don't forget that. We have oh, yeah. uh, this website that does not have a secure socket layer <laughs> certificate. Um and that's why it's just HTTP, no, no, not HTTPS. So that's okay. We don't have any, we don't store your credit card information. Uh, so. Yet. No worry. Yeah, not not yet anyway. And uh, it's airlinepilotguy.com. And uh, all kinds of good stuff there. And you can also send us feedback uh, through the email, feedback at airlinepilotguy.com. And if you have a, a little recording app on your phone or whatever electronic device you have, uh, you can attach that to your email feedback at airlinepilotguy.com and you can also send us feedback uh, via SpeakPipe and again you'll find that on the website on the uh, contact us page and a couple different ways that we can hear your lovely voices as you send us your wonderful feedback and we are also on Slack it's a kind of a quasi social media kind of thing and I'm going to see if I can Determine whether or oh, not. Steffi's back. Steffi's oh, back. good. Hi. There she Sorry. is. Oh, Apparently and then Liz left, so uh, abruptly just. I know left. she didn't say goodbye. She was like. Pfft. Can you believe it though? She was actually uh, on on the. Uh, I on the know. Show I was surprised us. to see that. Okay, let's see. So I was just talking about. Uh, we already covered the social meds, not as well as you do, of oh, course. Stuff. That's okay. But, I'm sure you did a fine job. I, I well, fully blame blame my internet for my inability to. Oh, you didn't lose power. Discuss then. the social meds. No, uh, power was fine. My internet just decided to completely quit. Okay. Well, we're glad you're I mean, the storm is like basically passed. I can still hear it rumbles of thunder. And then all of a sudden it was like, no internet. Oh, yeah. All Um, of a sudden you just I'm not sure what happened. I reset the router and it came back. Well, whatever you did, it worked. So we're glad you're back. Yeah, took a minute. Well, you know what we need to do? Uh, um, Hang on. Let me see if... um... Hello. The bathroom's just right there. Hello. Uh, can Can you tell us about Slack? Slack today? Well, okay, but I'm 
That's okay. Um, got lots Always. of towels in there. Uh, the landowner here, landowner, landlord. Landlord? Um, yes. The person that owns this cabin uh, left a whole bunch of nice fluffy towels. And mm-hmm. uh, okay, I see that he's he's found them. I could come over here, sit down, just don't get water all over everything. All right. Now tell us about Slack. APG listeners, please join us on our Slack team. Slack is a communication, coordination, and sharing platform that works on your mobile, laptop, or browser. On Slack, we share news and ideas. We suggest episode and plain tales topics. We plan events and meetups. To get into the Slack team, please email me at slack at airlinepilotguy.com. That's S-L-A-C-K, Sierra Lima Alpha Charlie Kilo at airlinepilotguy.com. Or send me a tweet with your preferred email address to at Hillel, and I'll send you an invitation. That's Hillel, spelled Hotel India 11 Echo 1, and see you in Slack. Thanks a lot, Hillel. Appreciate it. You've got to try these towels. I know. Aren't they great? All right. <laughs> you know what? You know what we should sell though on the website in the store. What should we the sell? Hillel Lufa burrito thing. Yes, we should. I need to. Hillel, you've done your job, so get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the Lufa burrito is definitely something mm-hmm. that we should have in the uh, that would be a, a hot item a store. <laughs> Fast seller. <laughs> we can get Acme Air limited like, stenciled on it. Limited quantities. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Well, collectors' items. Uh, and, and unfortunately, Liz has has left the uh, control room, but we're still going to talk about her even behind her back, and we want to give a big round of applause. To Liz for doing all the work that she does behind the scenes, each and every show and between shows mostly, and also uh, pinch hitting for Steph today when her internet mm-hmm. decided to go crapola on us. Mm-hmm. Oops, oh. that's enough. Hello <laughs> wants to tell us about Slack again. You've done enough. He's very enthusiastic. He's very Slack. enthusiastic yes. about Slack. And we are very enthusiastic about you, our listeners. Thank you so much for listening to our show and sending us feedback and reviewing and giving us good reviews. And we love you guys. We really do. We love you. And we can't wait to hang with you next time, next week, at this same bat time and same bat channel. We're not sure about the time. Oh, wait, we'll no one do the same bat time. It's probably going to be wrong. It'll probably be Just, wrong. Just but watch yeah. the calendar. Yeah. APG crew uh, calendar and uh, you can see the calendar on notifications on Twitter and yeah all that stuff good stuff exactly to be fully informed of all the APG goodness and with that we're going to sign off and wish you clear skies unlimited visibility and tailwinds take care and God bless Talon Douglas Good day. I used to be such a good, good pilot. Till I started APG I opened doors for little old ladies I helped them to their seats Airline I guy I fly
Cause I'm always flying I just don't have the time But I can land this old plane I can land it just fine Airline, not a guy I fly 